A lot of people don't even really know what the War Room is. Not only is it the greatest network in the world, but it's also like a finishing school for a man to fully develop. You know, we talk about style, stocks, making money, your relationship with your girl. Most people believe that you get married to one woman. And I'm be honest with you, man, my preference is not that. All this toxic masculinity nonsense, they haven't seen toxic masculinity, really. Christians attack me for womanizing, which basically means got a bunch of girlfriends and a wife. Okay, cool. But I'm not a liar. Society doesn't exist without Christianity and Jesus. I don't want to be disrespectful of that. At the same time. What up, Wealth Builders? Today, I've got a special guest on. This guy has done tens of millions in the construction industry. He's built a portfolio of hundreds of units between, you know, trailer parks, between apartments and everything else. And probably most famously, he's known for being a business partner with Andrew Tate in the war room. I've got none other than Justin Waller. What's up, man? Hey, man. Glad to be here. How are you? It's good, man. It was good to, to chat with you before this, man, because, you know, when you hear like Andrew Tate and then you think about people around him, you're like, all right, you know, I don't know what's about to happen here. You know, like, am I going to get like some ultra male guy? And like, what are we doing? No, man, I'm a guy just like you, bro. So, um, just like everybody else, man, just trying to work hard, do my best I can by people. And that's it. I mean, yeah, that was the first thing that struck me just talking is like, dude, this guy's like a blue collar business dude who just wants to work hard and just make things happen. Yeah. Well, you know what, man, it's funny growing up in Louisiana. I don't feel like I had much of a choice. You know, it, like I was telling you, the reason I moved to Miami is because I, I, I was looking for more consciousness. There were bigger things, even coming in this building. Yeah. Seeing this building, mm-hmm. everything that you've built here. Me and Thomas, when I leave here, I'm like, we need an office in Miami like this. We hmm. need to be pushing it like this. Yeah. And so, like, they, I had the same feeling when I walked into Brad Lee's office recently. Yeah. I'm like, all this is possible. Yeah. And so, a lot of times, it's like, if you're in a place where there's not an atmosphere that lends itself to you growing, sometimes that's when it's time to go. And that's what it was for me. And even situations like walking through this building right now, it's like, man all this is possible. So it's good, man. I I love to work and I love to see people that work and I just get inspired by it just like everybody else, man. Mm -hmm. So it's a good thing. Yeah. The same things happened for me. I mean, like I went to Cardone's office in Miami and he had this giant event center in the office. I was like, guys, we're getting a giant event center. Yep. Like we're just going to do it. And then within a month, I, I, got rid of all the cubicles and everything. And I was mm-hmm. like, we're going to be throwing more events. You know, it's so true too. Cause you have a choice when you see that you can be like, Oh, I'm not doing well, or I'm not doing this. Or you can get inspired by it mm-hmm. and say, no, I just didn't know. Now I saw it. Let me go create. It. And I think a lot of life is that for like, sure. I wouldn't have bought real estate if it weren't for guys like Cardone or the other YouTubers out there that were bigger pockets. Yep. You know, mm-hmm. in fact, one of my favorite things to do still is to drive my properties on a Saturday morning when I'm in Louisiana, listening <laughs> to bigger pockets. Wow. Because they have that upliving, uplifting energy about yeah. them. You know, you know, they, it, a lot of storytelling of how people did it. And I think that listening or seeing things allow you to grab more consciousness and let you know it's possible. Yeah. I was talking about like, I spent a lot of time alone in my twenties, but I really wasn't spending time alone. I was spending time with YouTubers seeing what was possible and just not getting to talk back. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> just getting inspired. Yeah. And for a young man, I think that's really important. A lot of times, you know, being a young man is about shutting up and listening. And, um, I do think I got that right in my twenties for sure. So yeah. I had a lot of mentors and I had a lot of YouTubers I looked up to. And so when I was able to create that visual picture in my mind, it, it made it a lot easier to go build it. Cause I knew where it's direction I was going to go. Yeah. I mean, back then, 
mean, you're talking in your 20s, so you know, let's just say a decade ago, yeah, like YouTube was still like, I mean, nowhere near where it is today, right? Like, no. who were the guys back then? I mean, because when I got started 10 years ago, it was Bigger Pockets for me too. Yeah, so Bigger Pockets was a big deal. I I genuinely believe I learned how to underwrite watching Grant Cardone underwrite, and I'd get so mad because he'd wing the math. And so if he was wrong by like a couple hundred bucks, like I'm like, I'd have to redo it and redo it. <laughs> but I'd sit there and I had a, I had a big TV set up and I'd hook my computer into it. So it was like really big in my face and I'd have whiskey right here and I'd have my pen and my piece of paper and I'd get a whiskey or two in and I'd do it every night, man, until I understood net operating income and debt service and everything. And um, he was very helpful. I watched a lot of Brandon Carter videos. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Which is funny. Brandon spoke at my last event. Yeah. Dude, if you don't like Brandon Carter, <laughs> it's kind of like the Ed Marlette thing. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, bro, if you don't like Brandon Carter and Ed Marlette, bro, you, like, yeah. don't talk to me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's some, some solid guys, man. So I'd watch them. I'd watch a little Graham Stephan. Yep. You know, I'm going to do something with him later today. Um, God, man, there's so many guys I used to watch. Yeah. And that's the YouTube. I feel like I learned more from YouTube than I probably did in all of school. Oh, for sure. You know, on September 25th to the 27th, I'm holding my biggest virtual event ever called the Profit Partner Challenge, and it's going to be epic. I'm going to be going over the number one way to get started in real estate. And I'll tell you, it's not wholesaling. It's not flipping. It's not buy and hold. It's not Airbnb. It's not multifamily. It's something completely different. And the great thing about getting started this way in real estate is you can do it from your house with just a computer and Wi-Fi. And you might be wondering, what exactly am I talking about? Well, what if I told you that you could use my team to close all of your deals? We negotiate with the seller. We figure out what we're going to do with it and then we make a profit together. Well, I've built out the team to do exactly that. I just need your help with identifying these sellers all across the country that we could be doing deals with. And so if that sounds like something you wanna be a part of with partnering with my team and learning how you can get into the real estate business in the safest and easiest way possible, then you'll wanna make sure you attend this free three-day challenge. So if you're interested in joining, go to wealthyworkshop.com. You can sign up today, it's completely free. And I'll see you there. So once again, go to wealthyworkshop.com or click the link below. Well, you know what's cool is like, okay, 10 years ago, I mean, you mentioned like there, there wasn't that many options. And right. then today you look at the YouTube landscape and you're like, man, dude, can watch you. Like right. you want to learn certain things, you can go watch you. You want to learn certain things, you can watch me. You can watch these other guys. Like the, there's so much knowledge from guys who are actually doing it now. A thousand percent, man. And a lot of times now when I, when I think about doing business, I think it's almost suicide in a way not to at least try to do some kind of social media. Oh, so, for sure. so people can at least trust you, you know, like when people walk up to you and they're like, you know, you've helped me so much, you've done all this, they get to know you, mm -hmm. you know, even though you don't have like, and when you meet them for me, I feel like they know me in a way. And I think that makes it a whole lot easier to trust somebody or listen to somebody. So I'm really glad I did it. I can tell you, one of the biggest challenges in my life was overcoming because I'm from the South and it's very be seen, not heard. Yeah. And I had to really get over that. And it was probably one of my biggest struggles. Yeah. How does a guy who's a, a blue collar guy, I mean, you do steel and your, yeah. you know, your construction company is very successful. You guys are doing all this new construction development, everything you've been doing it for over a decade now. Like, most construction guys would be like, what, what are we going to turn a camera on? What are you, you crazy? Like, yeah. what are we doing? Well, you know, we can't put cameras on the jobs. Yeah. So I post on Twitter almost every day because I want to promote blue collar guys. Yeah. You know, I have this campaign out right now. It's called buy a man a beer. And basically what it is, is if you see a guy buying his lunch, like cover it for him, like, you mm. know, like we live in a world where 
guys that go on YouTube or, or, or people that do certain things on Instagram or TikTok, they get idolized. Yeah. But the guys that build this country don't get, don't get the respect they deserve, man. And just because I've been so close to it and I've actually done it for so long, it just means something to me. Cause I think about when I walk down the street in Miami and I see those guys in those hard hats and they're sweating and they've been at work all day and you could tell they had to bring their lunch with them. And, and, and they're really risking their lives in a lot of ways, especially in these high rises, my guys hanging steel, there's, there's nothing to catch you if you fall. So you, you need to tie off. It's concrete. That's what's going to catch you. And, and man, it's just, these guys build the world. Everything we're doing, everything in this room right now is because some guy woke up and put a tool belt on Mm -hmm. and I just refuse to overlook that. Yeah. I can't forget. Well, I mean, where I came from for me, I mean, I built my career flipping houses. So it's like, I mean, in the last however many years I flipped 500 homes. And so it's like these guys, I, you know, I was with, you can't do it without them. No, but I, and I didn't do it. Right. Right. I've never been a blue collar guy. Right. And it's just like, I see them and I'm like, dude, like hats off to you. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's tough. The world didn't spin around without them. Actually, you know what I believe? I think in 10 years, there's going to be YouTubers saying the new hack is to become a plumber mm. because there's such a labor shortage all the time for sure in, in America. There's always, there's no company has the exact amount of staff they need mm-hmm. or that are trained the right way. So there's even for me, there's always this percentage of men that either I know are mercenaries and kind of dead men walking like, Oh, wait till this job's over. Cause you know, they, they don't want to tie off or they don't want to do quality or they get drunk in the trucks. Like I do have my problem children. Don't get me <laughs> oh, wrong. Man. Yeah. Like they're don't not, buy those guys a drink. Yeah. They're, they're boy <laughs> scouts. Yeah. Or wait after the shift. Yeah. But, but the, the point is, man, is that it just doesn't run without them. Yeah. You know? And, um, I just, if I do anything with what I'm doing online, being a voice for them would be very fulfilling for me. Yeah. And there's not, there's not many voices for them. No. And like I said, there's definitely a later labor shortage. And I think that in the future guys are really gonna, or the country is going to have to pay these men what they're really, really worth. Yeah. You know, which is tricky for me because if, if I were president tomorrow and I would never run or anything like that, but I'd make certified payroll legal because when they do bacon Davis projects, they tell you how much you have to pay each man. You know, now if I did that in the private market, I would never win work. Mm -hmm. But on those projects, everybody has to pay like the same amount Mm -hmm. when you're bidding, which I really, really like. And they make you pay the taxes and the insurance. I pay my men overtime, drive time. I pay all workmen's comp. I do it perfectly by the book. I don't mess around with that. Um, But I know a lot of people do. Yeah. And so if you, let's say you bid a million dollar job and you lose by 300 grand, well, that's the labor burden. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. cause the man hours are going to be the same. Yeah. If they know what they're doing. So, um, I really, they're respect- skipping on labor somehow. That's what you're saying. Yeah. 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 Like what's a better return. Is there a better return than 30% on your money? You know, the, there's guys out there paying people cash and yeah. I just, I refuse to do it. I've lost guys over it. Yeah. I've had guys come in. It's like, I'll work for you, but I want cash. I'm like, bro, I can't, I can't give you a job. Sorry. Yeah. Well, and also too, whenever, I mean, obviously that's happened to me many, many times. And I'm just like, well, my tax bills, 40%. So like, yeah, you better be giving me like an 80% discount to yeah. even like, why yeah. would I do that? That makes no sense. Right. And, and that's <laughs> the thing about like guys like you is like, you're building a brand. Yeah. Everybody knows who you are. You can't be out there like cheating. Yeah. You know, it's a matter of time. I'm getting audited right now uh, mm-hmm. from 2019. Wow. Good. Good. Yeah. I'm cool. 
you know? We got but the I, receipts. Yeah, I want to be able to sleep at night, man. I want to be able to build a business on a foundation, mm-hmm. you know? And I love my country, so I don't mind paying taxes. I yeah. think America's a goat. A lot of people give me shit for that. I don't care, man. America's a goat. Yep. Like scoreboard, bro. You don't like America? Get out. Yeah, that's you know? how I feel. Yeah. It's so funny, man, when people start complaining about politics and all this. And I'm like, bro, I don't care if you liked Biden. I don't care if you liked Trump. You're not in like some oppressive country. Like you're yeah. not like, I don't care if you grew up in the hood. Like I played baseball with guys from third world countries, the Dominican, Venezuela, yeah. all these places where they got it bad. <laughs> like they have true corruption. They have poverty. Like you don't have that. A thousand percent, dude. I played college football. Yeah. So some of my teammates um, came from better homes than me, but a big majority of them came from neighborhoods. Yeah. You know, that you don't want to grow up in. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, and I, I grew up in a version of that kind of like the trailer park. It was more of a meth thing you know, where I grew up, maybe for them, it was cocaine or crack or something like that. But mm-hmm. I'm just telling you, man, it's, you know, people, people overcome a lot of things just to get here. Yeah. Just to get a shot, mm-hmm. you know, and for people to disrespect the flag or disrespect the country, I think they're losers. I often say, I don't care who the president is. I'm going to win in any condition. Exactly. You know, like, your blind grandmother could be the president tomorrow and it wouldn't change what I'm going to do. <laughs> no, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I just don't care. I'm, I'm still going to just go. winners win in any environment. Right. And, and I just, I refuse to let that be a crutch for anyone. Yeah. You know, anyone talking to me, Yeah, you know, because I knew what I had to do to get in my position and where I came from. Yeah. And I know that other people have it even worse than I did. Mm-hmm. You know, I was a tall, straight white male born in America. That's a, that's at least three aces. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know? Yeah. So it, from there, it's just really up to you what you want to become, man. Yeah. So one, well, I think too, it's like everybody has their own negatives that they grew up with. Right. Yeah. Like, all right, cool. You, you had three aces and then you grew up in a trailer park, right? Like you have, yeah. uh, you know, people born, like you said, man, in inner cities and it sucks. Yeah. And, but they got a ton of athletic ability. They got a ton of other opportunities they could take advantage of. Then you even like get on the other side of the coin where you get people who are, you know, grow up ultra rich trust fund style. And guess what? They're handicapped because they ain't never have to work. They're worse. I always say that, that being, being born into a family with money is like being born into captivity at the zoo. Mm. If you're a lion and you're born at the zoo and they close the zoo and they bump you into the jungle and you don't know how to hunt. Yeah. You're in deep shit. Yeah. It's not good. And what I always say about the the people that grew up with a less of an advantage, if you can find a way to spin that to a positive, yeah, like okay, well, I was born in this situation, but now I have grit, yep. that the guy next to me doesn't have. Mm-hmm. If you can, because it is truly a mindset thing. If you can change your relationship with it, I don't think I've had anything that's happened to me in my life that I've not personally been able to spin into an advantage. I agree with you. I th- yeah. I think that way too. Every yeah. struggle, I'm like, all right, this is for my good. This you is know? what it gave me. Yeah. I, I, it happened. I was sad. Let's say when I was a kid or something, but looking back at it as a grown man, it doesn't haunt me. Mm-hmm. I've learned from it. Like, this is what I saw. And now I have this with me for the rest of my life in my tool belt yeah. and understand that the world works this way. The world can be a very brutal place. I'm not sad about that. I just acknowledge it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It I'm just not, is what it is. Yeah. So, I mean, there are people smarter, there are people faster, there are people that have better connections, whatever, yeah. you know, it's all an opportunity to understand how you can use it for yourself and your own ride because yeah. every, every life is, is going to be custom to, to that individual. 
Entrepreneurs, if you want to grow your business, there is no better investment than your own personal brand. The smartest thing I ever did was start creating content and investing into my brand. Ever since then, we've been able to triple our business. I've been able to raise more money than ever to continue buying more real estate. And it's all because I create content just like this. Now, a lot of people have asked me, Ryan, how am I supposed to do it? I don't know where to start. I don't know who's going to edit it. I don't know even what kind of setup or camera or anything to do. Well, here's the thing. We can help you with all of that at Pineda Media. We have a podcast checklist that you can actually get for free at PinedaMedia.com that's going to go over everything you need on starting a podcast. But to make matters even better, we'll actually edit your podcast for you. We'll repurpose it into short form clips like you see on my Instagram and my TikTok so that people will start seeing those clips and watching your podcast and in turn being customers or investors in your business. So If you want the one-stop solution where you can get everything done for you, plus get the education you need to grow your personal brand, then you need to go to PinedaMedia.com and book a free call with our team. You can also go get that free podcast checklist and that training program absolutely free by just going there. So go check it out. I had Erwin McManus on the podcast yesterday, and we were talking about the because he he coaches a lot of um, high-level performers, athletes, celebrities, all this stuff. And he was like, you know, the people who have a lot of natural talent that never really have to go through adversity, they never develop the mental fortitude and the internal mindset that's required to succeed. He's like, because they just get by with talent, so they don't really have to do it. And then, you know, they have all these external things that um, kind of validate them or keep them in check. They got handlers, they got, you know, people just doing stuff for them and, you know, trying to, you know, foster their talent. He's like, man, dude, the people that go through adversity at a young age develop that and they understand that life's not easy and they're going to have to work and that, you know, sure enough, you put the work in, you, you get past it, you just outlast the competition, you're going to win. You're absolutely right. I often feel like any adversity I've ever had is some of the greatest gifts of my life because mm-hmm. it, it like you're forced to grow muscle. Yeah. You know, here. Exactly. You know? Yep. And you can't really see that. So it's just like, you only see the result of how they handle situations. You're like, all right, that guy, you can't, that that dude, he ain't soft. That's for sure. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So you, you know, you're you're doing this construction thing. You're doing this real estate thing. At some point you decide I'm going to start making content. What, how did that play out? It was actually, I had met Rolo Tomasi and Sterling Cooper and I just joined, you know, the war room with Andrew and Andrew came to me and he's like, Hey, I think you could do really, really well. You know, you could go do your own thing. You'd kill it. So this was in what year? God, man, this must've been 18, 2000. So the war, 18, 19, 19, maybe. Yeah. So Tate Before had the, COVID. Tate had the war room all the way back then. Way back then. Yeah. Early, early on. Wow. Yeah. And like I was telling you, like this was, we had this conversation in Miami, but I, the first time I ever really, really hung out with them was in Vegas here at the Cosmopolitan, and we had an event down the road, and I was laughing because I passed that little bar this morning, mm-hmm. and I'm like, there's no way he could walk in here, because <laughs> it's all wide open. Yeah. You know, you can see into it very clearly, and I'm like, there's no way that he could walk in here now. I can't get 10 steps in there without getting stopped, so yeah. there's no freaking way, but it's, it, was very, um, it was very surreal to walk by it, because I didn't realize that that bar was actually in the building. Mm-hmm. And, but I just recognized it so clearly. So it was, uh, it was good, but he came to me and we did that. And I found myself, you know, 
in the space of, you know, Andrew and Myron and Walt. And uh, I've done some collabs with Brandon, obviously. Mm -hmm. And that was about two years ago. Okay. And um, it's been a ride, man. It's been very, very interesting. You know, I, a lot of times when people are, especially young men are thanking me for what I'm saying, I'm like, well, really, it's just because I was born in the 80s, bro. And we had to get it <laughs> a different way. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like it's it's a lot of it's common sense to me, mm -hmm. you know, things that coaches put into me, which I'm really actually interested to ask you about. I know that you're talking to me, but um, do you feel like you got a lot of your grip from sports? Because oh. I feel like sports were very good for me in that way. One thousand percent, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Like I I'm really trying to build this company as a sports organization, right? Like I want people competing. I want people who want to win. I want people who want to be the best, you know, people get rewarded for, you know, hitting statistics and stats and right. You know, I mean like sports for me, I could go on and on, but it's like, obviously you go through adversity every single day. I mean, when you're playing baseball and especially professionally, I mean, you literally play 140 games a year and yeah. you get two days off a month. Right. And you're making 1200 bucks a month. You're traveling in crappy buses, staying yep. in super eights, freaking yeah. whatever you make airs, people boo you. People can publicly see your stats. Like I, I always say this. I'm like, imagine if people could see your bank account and your net worth and everything just publicly. Yeah. Right. And like, you know, that's, that's the world of sports. It's just out in the open. What your contract is. Yeah. Everything's public. That's so true, man. Yeah. That's so true. So you got to develop a lot of mental fortitude to deal with like judgment, statistics, grit, people coming for your job, you trying to move up to the next level. It ain't, it ain't for the weak. A thousand percent. Do you think it got you ready for like, if you get a hater comment or things like that today? Cause one thing I feel like I've been very lucky or maybe just tough. It doesn't really bother me that much. Not at all. You know? Yeah. I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that my, my real life is so great. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I think it would bother me a lot more if my whole identity was tied around what people thought about me on the internet. Right. Um, if you were just an influencer only. Yeah. Or I had not built anything on my own outside of it. Mm -hmm. You know, I, like I could stop right now. My life wouldn't be that much different, I guess, you know, you know, I'd still have a really wonderful life in real life. I'd have a lot of really good connections with people. A lot of very close friends. Yeah. I'm very close to all my teams in the businesses. And, uh, I feel very lucky for that. So there's nothing that anybody could ever say on the internet that would, yeah, you know, no, I'm, me. I'm with you because there's a lot of people obviously on the internet who built their wealth on the internet. Right. And so yeah. whether it's just selling coaching and courses or masterminds or agency stuff, like, you know, there's a lot of, um, internet entrepreneurs and I don't think there's anything wrong with it by any means, but to your point, I mean, when you've built developments or flipped 500 plus homes yeah. and done real things, um, or played baseball, like you just, this internet thing's new to both of us. Yeah. And we're just like, yeah. well, yeah, I mean, you got to do hard. People are going to talk crap about you. People are going to yeah. sue you. People are going to like, like yeah. whatever. Yep. They're like, dude, he just got sued. I'm like, have you ever run a business? Like what, yeah. what are you talking about? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it, it is that way. Yeah. I, I remember being in my twenties, having to lean some projects, uh -huh. you know, like got like, I pay all my guys. I pay the equipment, pay the material guy. Mm -hmm. Write me. I'll never forget a guy wrote me a $50,000 hot check one time. Yep. And I paid my vendor. I was a little late on my vendor cause he owed me the money. I paid my vendor. 
And then he paid me the check bounce. I was upside down like a hundred grand. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, cool. I'm going bankrupt now. Like 27. <laughs> yep. And I got through it somehow. I worked with all my other contracts, let them know what's going on. We got through it. Yeah. But you know, at that point, man, you think it's the end of the world. Yep. And I think if you go through enough stressful situations where you just think, I don't think I can get through this. Yeah. And you actually are freaked out. You actually are stressed out. I really think it builds a muscle and reminds you it's not the end of the world. Mm-hmm. I have a property right now. We just bought it and um, we're in our second month and the tenants are just used to paying a month late. Right. And so we're down $16,000 on a $3.5 million property of 60 trailers. And it used to be maybe when I was 24, 25, I would be freaking out. <laughs> but because of all the other things that I had gone through in my career previously, it's like, okay, take a deep breath. Let's talk to these people. Let's see where they are. Let's see what we can do. They're obviously not, they're not going to be able to pay me on the 25th and then pay me on the first. Right. Right. And so we're not going to kick them all out there. There's children in there. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But we need to work out a payment plan yep. and we need to let them know that, Hey, listen, this I'm going to give a, you one chance. I'm going to give know? you a chance, yeah. but this is a business. And if you don't pay rent, then we can't keep the property. Then none of us have a home and I have to protect the other families. Yeah. Maybe at 24, 25, I wouldn't have been able to respond that way, mm-hmm. but it's not because I'm like this great stoic person. It's really just because I've been punched in the face so many times <laughs> you get that it. I know the other response doesn't work. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like, you ever strike out three times in a game? I have. Yep. You want to talk about pissed off? Mm-hmm. But if you don't take a deep breath, you're going to strike out in the next game, in the next game, in the next game. And if you're not able to stop that negative momentum, you can never get back to positive momentum. Right. You know, and for me, I try to keep the teams and myself in a positive momentum. Mm-hmm. And I think, again, it goes back to a lot of like, how can you flip it to make it a positive? Mm-hmm. Maybe I can build a strong relationship with these people. Where there's a better understanding than they had before. Yeah. You know, maybe we can help the property manager be a little bit more stern and professional, but not completely cutthroat. Yeah. I mean, there's opportunities in every issue. And most of the time when you ever make money, it's because there's an issue somewhere. Yeah. It's somebody else's issue that you're fixing, but nonetheless an issue. Wealth Builders, if you are trying to grow your real estate investing business, then you need to join us at Wealthy Investor. If you have no idea what Wealthy Investor is, it is our coaching program and community. We have helped thousands of students worldwide grow their business. Now, it doesn't matter if you're just getting started and you're trying to get that first deal. We can help you do that. If you're trying to scale your business and go from a few deals a year to a few deals a month or even seven figures a year, we can help you do that too. In fact, last year alone, we had over 30 students do over a million dollars in revenue. And I'd love for you to be the next one. So it's pretty simple. If you're trying to grow your business and wholesale more homes or flip more homes or buy more rental properties, then you need to go to wealthyinvestor.com and book a free call with our team. It's super simple. We'll go on a strategy call with you and figure out how we can help you grow according to your needs. So All you got to do is go to wealthyinvestor.com, book the free call with the team, and we'll see you there. When's the last time you think you had like that victim mentality where something bad happened to you? And instead of being like, dude, you know what? I'm glad it happened because I I learned this and I'm not going to make that mistake again, or it led to this opportunity. When was the last time you were like, poor me, freaking why? You know? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if it was a poor me, but I can tell you in... I think maybe 2019, 
mm-hmm. I was doing a very, very big steel job in Alabama. Mm-hmm. And it was probably one of the biggest jobs I'd ever done. And for that reason, I decided to go down there and live there for a while. And somewhere in that project, COVID hit. And we started the project out and the mud was this deep. We're unloading steel and mud over a foot deep. They're pushing on us, telling us they're going to supplement us if we don't get out there and, and do it. And it was almost impossible. They didn't even have a slab board. So they had poured a retaining wall so we could hang the columns. Mm-hmm. And then they were going to come back and backfill the concrete. It made it hell on earth for us. I mean, we were literally working in water this deep, all of us in boots. And um, when COVID hit, a lot of these guys hadn't seen their family. Their wives are freaking out because their wives are watching the news. Yeah. I have my personal opinions about COVID. So you can imagine what I thought about COVID. <laughs> you know, you can share it. I don't care. Yeah. I, it, I already can guess what you it can was. blur this out, but it was this. <laughs> and so, and so these guys, I, I told them, I said, listen, guys, we're going to hang this frame line, um, hang this column line, but tie the columns in. So basically that means you're going to have these big uh, columns that need to tie, like you have to put a, you know, you have to connect a rafter and then you have to connect a bar joist over to the next bay that's already built. Right. So it has something to hold up against. These guys hung these columns and they're like 50, 60 foot columns and they left them freestanding. Oh, jeez! I pull up on a Saturday morning. I see these columns in the air and my first, my first words were all four letter words. I jump out, jump in a forklift, start trying to move bar joists. And try to, you know, I want to, I want to tie them in. Yeah. I pull out backwards and I go to pull forward to go back towards these columns and I hear boom, boom. And I look up, dude, I'm telling you from me to this wall, columns are falling next to me. And the thing about buildings, metal buildings, particularly when they fall, they twist and fall. The building that we, the amount of the building that we had built was to my left. And these columns are going towards that end wall. And I'm scared to death. It's going to hit and twist and it's all going to land on me. Wow. So I'm like, I'm about to die. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Yeah. We had done permanent bracing to the brace bay and the brace bay is a bay where, um, where they have permanent bracing and then you do temporary bracing. We had put that in because we had a very strong lift plan in place. We always do but these columns are falling around me. I don't know where to jump out of the machine or where to stay in the machine. Cause there's a cage over you in these 10 K forklifts. And I got these bar joists on the forks. So I stay in the machine and I'm just like, I'm, I'm truly scared for my life. Yeah. And these columns fall and they hit the last column and the building stood, but I knew I just lost a lot of money. Yeah. And I knew that there's about to be a lot of pictures and a lot of emails and a lot of legality. Yeah. And to this day, I, I got out of the forklift and I hit my knees and I was just like this and, and my hard hat kind of hits the ground. And I'm just like, I just lost a bunch of money. Mm-hmm. This is going to majorly impact the schedule because the base plates were ripped off the columns and I damn near died. Yeah. Just do just 10 seconds before I had the boom between the columns that were falling. So if it would have fell on the lift, it would have, it would have catapulted me you know, forward. Um, and I just remember think I was, I was angry. I was upset. I don't know if I felt like a victim, but it it was, it was a situation where I was really, really so bad that I was like on my knees and superintendent took a picture of that, Mm. of me on the ground. And I keep that picture in my office to this day. 
and just to remind me, you know, to get up every time. But I was very, very down. Yeah. We were down on the project. The guys were tired of being there. It was way out of town for me, you know, at the time. It was like a seven-hour drive. And we do work all over the country now. But um, just at that time, you know, with the guys that we had and all my really good foremen were tied up other places and we're trying to push this thing. And I was just, I really felt like I was kicked in the stomach. Yeah. And uh, I think even that moment made me better. There's things that happen every day I feel like make me better. I'm still developing as a person Mm -hmm. every day. There's things I still need to learn, still want to develop and still want to grow from. So uh, I'm open to it. I just hope I don't ever have steel fall again. (laughs) You know? Dude, uh, that's a crazy story. Yeah, it's it's wild, man. And and I was angry at COVID. I'm like, this is bullshit, bro. What are we doing? And the guys wouldn't have left if it wasn't for this. And their, their wives... They're listening to their wives because their wives are watching CNN or whatever. Yes. Yeah. You can't get any workers. Yeah. I can't get my guys or I can't get my good guys here because they're tied up and they're yeah. in California or whatever. And it was just, it was just a hard situation, situation, man. Yeah. And I had a bunch of situations that were tough, but I think that was probably one of my lowest points, mm-hmm. you know, cause I just knew what that meant for the project. I knew what it meant legally. I knew it was coming to me. Yep. And you just uh, gonna have to deal with the consequences. Yes, yeah, and I did. And man, we got through it. I still made two hundred grand. <laughs> but yeah. bro, I didn't think I was going to. Yeah, <laughs> really, no, for like, sure. Yeah, it's like, we like re- I'm about to get sued for millions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Problem. Insurance, like, yeah. and that's the thing too. In construction, man, it's yep. like when you, especially a workman's comp thing. Yeah, you know, I've had I had a guy get electrocuted one time. Mm. He, um, we had called the city we have this pre-walk job walk checklist and we called the city because anything, anything closer than anything that's not 30, 40 feet away, we want them to come insulate the lines. Okay. You know, and I had this guy and we did, we called when we hung the steel, it, uh, it was fine. You know, we called them. They said, you're good. We said, okay, we hung the steel, but this guy picked a piece of trim up and he went to spin it around and it was like a 20 foot piece of trim and it got close and, the, and it jumped out and art popped him and another guy. Dang. Yeah. And, um, that stayed on my E-Mod for four years. Wow. It cost me hundreds of thousands of dollars yeah. because when your E-Mod goes, goes, you know, over one, it's like an extra tax. Yeah. So if I'm paying 30 on a hundred to let's say hang steel or 40 on a hundred to hang steel, it's that plus 1.5. Right. And it stays on there for, you know, they say three years, but it's really like four years in the grand scheme of things. So um, the insurance claims and things like that is something you definitely want to stay away from. And that's why we're so safety folk. Like I have a full-time guy on, on staff for just safety. Yeah. You know, and the guys don't want to listen. <laughs> you know, yeah. they don't. They don't want to tie off. Well, they're they like, wanna, I've been yeah. doing it like this forever. Why I got to do it this way? Yeah. Or like that's slow. Yeah. You know, we're doing a job in an oil and gas plant right now where you know, they want us to sheet the walls a certain way and they want us to like, you know, and we drill holes and they want us to pick up one panel with a crane every time it's going to make the job three times longer. Yeah. Somebody's going to lose money. Yeah. But a lot of times, even, even when I've had this with customers, they want to do something special and I know I'm going to lose money, but sometimes you got to stay in there and prove to a, a customer that you'll stay in and bang it out with them. Yeah. 
And uh, we did that. And in, in, in a lot of times we would make a bunch of money, lose money, make a bunch of money, lose money. <laughs> yeah. And so it's about it's certain systems we had to get in place and certain understandings that we had to have with the customers. I'm, I'm sure you deal with this all the time. Oh yeah. You know, with consulting or whatever you're doing, they probably want you, you, you all the time. And sometimes you got to draw those lines and some customers have to be fired. Yep. And sometimes you just have to get better. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's always a mix of that and falling in between and being easy to work with. I, I think it's really important. Yeah. No, I love it. That's that's really good business advice for anybody's business, right? Whether you're in construction, consulting, you know, media, whatever you do. Or a relationship with an individual, even a friendship. Yeah. You know, um, you know, one thing that War Room taught me that was not even on my radar before was how to treat your friends in front of their wife. Mm. you know, and I come from a place where it's just like normal Joe's. Right. I mean, I was just a guy, you know, with my friends, I, I mean, I might've been captain of the football team, but I was still on the team, you know? Yeah. And a lot of times now I see guys like they'll joke and, and cut up and dude, if your wife was here and you went to pee, I'd be like, how did you land that stud with that beautiful hair? You know, <laughs> you know, and the yeah. million dollar smile, but you know, I'll go back to my hometown now and I'll hear them picking and, and, and doing these things. And it's really like, they're like fighting for this little position in the group. Right. And I just don't put up with it anymore, man. No. If, if it's anything short of how did you land that guy, then I don't want it. And that's just new consciousness to me mm. because before it would have never bothered me. I might, e- I might even would have participated, but now that I see it through that lens of like making your friend look good in front of his wife, the woman he loves more than anything in the world. I can't see it. I can't unsee it, mm-hmm. you know? So I've had to let some friends go over it, you know? Mm. Cause it's like, Oh yeah, bro. You are, don't be a pussy. I'm like, okay, bro. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. But this is my house. Yeah. So um, you can go. Yeah. So, and it, and it doesn't have to be this big negative thing, but you know, sometimes, you know, in relationships, just like business, you have to draw some lines Mm -hmm. and it doesn't mean that you're angry or or you're upset. Well, I think too, like a lot of times when you're changing, right, which we should all be striving to change and and get better, right? The the things you used to do aren't the things you, you know, no longer tolerate. Right. And so a lot of people have a tough time. Oh dude, you've changed. And you know, for you, you're setting a new tone for your life. You're like, bro, this is like, and we have to do this in business. We have to do this in life. And even like your marriage, you know, I'm going on year 10. And so, Bro, congratulations. <laughs> thank you. So it's like, man, we aren't the same from when we got married to where no. we're at today. And so no. we've got like a new tone we've got to set, you know, we've got three kids now. Yeah. So it's different. And even in this business, like we're not the same business we were five years ago when there's only a few of us. Now we're, you know, all these things. So yeah you know, I always tell people whatever got you to a certain point ain't going to get you to the next point. And so you got to constantly reset the tone and set new standards and expectations for, you know, and vision too. Hey, where are we trying to go? You know, are we all fighting for the same thing? Because, you know, you might have been good with the original vision, but it's changing. Right. A thousand percent. And I really like what you said about, you know, people say you changed. Well, I sure can hope so. (laughs) Yeah, I sure hope so. And I think that's what happens to people a lot of times is that they they don't continue to develop mm-hmm. and they have this expectation that you're going to be that same guy that was drinking Bud Light on a tailgate, shooting stop signs in the middle of the night. Yeah. You know, and when you come home and you no longer want to do that, they feel like it's disingenuous. Mm-hmm. 
And I think it's important that you're very loving with those people when you're explaining to them that, no, I've just tried to take my life in this different direction. And I don't think any less of you. It's just that I want to go here now and I still love you the same as I did. And I am the same person, you know, it's just that I have these other goals and dreams and visions that I want to create for my life. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I've found that it's not about making somebody wrong. You know, I don't need to make somebody wrong for me to be right. It's really just about having that communication with them. So they know that you still care about them, mm-hmm. but you just don't want to do those things anymore. You know, I, I don't have a lot of time to go fishing anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, I am at a point in my life where I'd like to bring that back. Yeah. You know, uh, I know you're religious. Yep. I wouldn't say I'm super religious, but I feel like the closest I've ever been to God is probably in a deer stand you know? <laughs> or, or, or fishing or like nature. Yeah. Right. And, um, and I'd like to get those things back into my life. I do like to do it in a way where either I'm, I'm going to be helping somebody like taking a young man with yep. me. Mm-hmm. That way I can at least feel like I'm getting something out of it. It's not just you. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think that was my problem with it. I, I, I was really into it in my teens mm-hmm. and while I was in college. In fact, my last semester of college was really just one class and me going bow hunting all the time. <laughs> I was obsessed with it, man. And, uh, and when I got in my twenties and I realized what I wanted to become, I, I could no longer allow myself to have fun having hobbies. Yeah. Fantasy football, uh, fishing, hunting. It really, it really grated at me cause I, I felt like I was messing around. I was screwing off. Yeah. And, um, I have really, the voice in my head is, yeah, it's my greatest blessing and my greatest curse because nothing I do is enough. And it's, it's the voice that I'm most scared to lose, you know, at the same time it haunts me, but I think it's my greatest gift. Mm -hmm. You know, do you ever struggle with feeling like you should be doing more? Yeah. You know, it's interesting. You're bringing up like hobbies and other things because, you know, I think back to my twenties of the things I used to like to do, you know, fantasy football, Yeah. you know, like I used to watch sports all the time, you know, I I'll watch, too. you know, Sunday football all day. I'll, I loved it. you know, watch Saturday the NBA. Yeah. yeah. And now I'm like, dude, I ain't got time for that. You yeah. know, like I got too many other things that are far more important. Yeah. And so you, like you, I've realized like a lot of the quote unquote, like selfish things I would do because watching Sunday football is a selfish thing. You're not it is. doing anything. Right. And I'm like, dude, I ain't got time for that. Like I got my kids, like I need to pour into them. I got my marriage. I got all these businesses. I got to improve for my employees. I got content. I got to stay in shape. I got to stay in shape. I got to work on my relationship with God. There's way more things that I got to work on for me. And then, you know, people like to drown themselves out avoiding that playing video games, watching Netflix, watching sports. And it's tough for me because I came from sports. And so I love competing and you know, I look at these guys and I'm like, man, it's crazy. Like what they're able to do. And then on the other hand, I'm like me watching LeBron, what is that going to do? Like it is nothing, nothing, nothing. And that's why I can't do it. Yeah. I can't do it. But luckily for me, I've also found myself becoming less and less interested. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? For sure. So a game that people will get super excited. I remember being a, a young man and my heart would beat fast when LSU was in the national championship game. It's been a while. It, yeah. <laughs> well, you got Joe Burrow. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I was actually at that national championship game. Yeah. But um, case in point, it's like, it didn't mean as much to me. Yeah. 
you know, it was just there because somebody offered me a ticket. I bought the ticket and I actually took somebody I like really, really cared about. Yeah. And they had never been to a game ever. And I surprised them. We were in New Orleans on, on like in the French quarter. Mm-hmm. And I was like, hey, where do you want to go for the game? And she was like, uh, you know, this is fine. I'm like, how about the end zone? Boom. <laughs> and she's the mother of my children. So, yeah, um, it was a great experience. But yeah, man, it's just they, it, sports doesn't don't it doesn't light me up the same. Yeah. You know, and as far as, you know, how I'm going to spend my time, if I don't feel like I'm growing. Yeah. In either spending my time or even my relationships. Mm-hmm. I, I can love sports from a distance. Mm-hmm. I can love a person from a distance or I can invite them over for steak because I'm going to eat anyway and give them that love because I know that they love me. I, my brother-in-law is a great example. Mm-hmm. He sends me TikToks all day long. <laughs> Bro, I don't open them, you know, <laughs> but, I'll send, me too. but I'll send a <laughs> laughing emoji. I'll send a laugh. Dude, <laughs> I love that. That was great. You know what I'm saying? Because like, I love him. Yeah. I love him very much. He calls me once a month and just tells me he's proud of me. Yeah. You know, he married my sister. God bless his soul. (laughs) But I mean, it's like, you know, I love him with all my heart, bro. Yeah. And, and, you know, he's, he begs me to go down to Fushan, Louisiana and go red fishing. Yeah. I tell him no every time, (laughs) but I love him with all my heart. Yeah. yeah, He's a wonderful man. Yeah. You know, and I have him over to my house every chance I get to barbecue and drink a beer. It's just, I'm not spending a day going fishing. Yeah, it's not a regular thing. And and when we do do it, it's going to be really special. Yeah, and and it's going to be, I'll tell you the last time I went fishing with him, is I took my buddy Sterling Cooper, and I took Thomas, the kid that's here with me today, and Pablo, our main sales guy for the War Room. I took them because I was able to give them an experience. They were able to see 12-foot alligators. Yeah. You know, and we had to shoot across the Mississippi River to get in like this little little cut so we could go catch some redfish. I don't give up. I don't care about redfish. Yeah. You know, but I got to teach him how to, how to bait a hook. But at that point, the main difference is it no longer became about fishing. It became about the experience with the boys. Exactly. You know, so that's a different thing. Yeah. Sterling's from Australia. Yeah. So he had not gotten to experience Louisiana in that way. Mm -hmm. It was really awesome. Actually, it was an Airbnb we stayed in. Mm -hmm. It was a three story like boat for fishing oh. that they remodeled and kind of just parked there. That's it sick. was the white trash Super Bowl, bro. It, <laughs> it was, was a, it was three trailers stacked. Basically, basically <laughs> you know, funny you say that um, the neighborhood that I grew up across the street from had a two story trailer. <laughs> I've seen them. That's what yeah, I brought and they stacked them on top of each other. <laughs> and uh, we used to always go look at it. We're like, man, these people are rich. <laughs> Dude, they got land. Yeah, they got, they got, a they got land. They got a two-story trailer. The Dollar General's right next door, bro. Big G. <laughs> bro, yeah, man. Um, but it is about the experiences, man. Yeah. And, you know, like next week, I've got a young kid that works for me from Chicago. Mm-hmm. He's coming into town. And his yeah. parents, he's got really good parents. Uh, sh- shout out, Steven. And he's helping with building some of our, we're building some property management softwares internally for ourselves. Yeah. Um, And just trying to, you know, see, like kind of put some tech behind it, you know, and and get the website all built out and everything. And uh, his parents want his brother to come. And I'm completely okay with that. My main goal with with that situation is to respect his parents, Mm. you know, because they're letting their son come, you know, stay with me and work and do all these things. And, uh, so it cost me a little extra money to, to bring his brother out, but his brother's great. Yeah. And I know he likes fishing. Yeah. 
And so I do plan to take him and the boys because I'm going to have all three of my guys that work really directly close to me on the YouTube team. I'm going to take them fishing. Mm. And, you know, to me, me just going by myself, I just, I, I'd rather watch paint dry. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Like, yep. because. I'm with you. Yeah. It's, and it's not even because I'll be bored. It's just because it's going to torture me the whole time. My whole, my brain is going to be like, what are you doing? But if those boys are there. Yeah. And I'm like, listen, this is how you bait the hook. Well, I think that the the key is as you, I guess, become more successful and you start to value time more and you start to become more aware of like, my time is ticking. You're like, you just start to value and you're just like, dude, I'm not going to waste time doing that. Like it's just, it's it's a waste, but no, I love that, man. Um, you, you brought up the war room a couple of times and, you know, obviously one of the concepts you learned was, you know respecting uh, your friends in front of their wives and like hyping them up and everything else. Um, a lot of people don't even really know what the war room is, including myself. I don't even know what you guys do in there. Yeah. You know, yeah. I've heard Andrew likes mystery, bro. Yeah. Man, yeah. yeah. I've heard him talk about it. It's just where, you know, the real men are right. Yeah. Like, so what is it? Well, first of all, I, I want to say something to that. Not that you misspoke, but I, I would never say what a real man is to somebody. Okay. Um, I see a lot of times in the comments, especially if there's negative comments, that a real man would do this, a real man would do that. I'll never define a person as a real man. Okay. And, and I don't think that's what you were saying. Yeah, yeah. But I do think I do think it was just a great opportunity to bring it up because I would never pull somebody's manhood card, regardless that they could be gay or maybe not as strong or not doing as well financially or even struggling to take care of their family. And I um I think it's really hard to define a real man from an outside perspective. I think only you yourself can define that. So I just want to take an opportunity to yeah. say that in regards to the war room. Uh, I think it's one of the greatest networks in the world. Um, it, what, what I think we get wrong sometimes in society is a guy thinks he can just make money, mm-hmm. but there's so much more to being a man than just money. You right. Know? One thing the war room did for me is it, it really helped culture me on a world level you know, I think I went to 20 countries last year. Um, it really helped me with my style. It really helped me understand. When you, you say know, your style, what do you mean? Well, look, man, it's not like it wouldn't have been anything for me to come in here in cowboy boots. Okay. And You're talking t- actual like actual and, style. Yeah. yeah okay. I mean, right. Everything. Um, yeah. We have a guy in there named Satorial. Okay. Who teaches um, something called penetrating the elite where he goes over just basic table etiquette with people. Mm. You know, I would say 80% of my uh, meals during childhood was on a paper plate, man. Yeah. You know, so like how to do the forks, how to shake a man, shake a man's hand and look him in the eye. Yeah. How to make eye contact. How can somebody trust you if you can't make eye contact with them? Right. And a, and a lot of men that, that join, there's nothing wrong with them. They're not broken. They just don't know. And I think that's the case for most men. I agree. I don't think most men are weak or cowards or any of these things. I just don't think they have it in their consciousness yet. Yes, I agree. In the war room, not only is it the greatest network in the world, in my opinion, but it's also like a finishing school for a man to fully develop. You know, we talk about style, stocks, making money, your relationship with your girl. And you know, it's funny, as much as they try to persecute you know, some of the things we talk about in regards to women in the war room, one of the rooms is called loving the relationships with women, Mm. you know? Um, and then you have me, you know, I'm not out telling you to like pimp or (laughs) do anything like that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like 
that's completely asinine to me. That blows my mind that I mean, like people even associate, I saw it yesterday. Somebody um, was talking about accusing me of human trafficking. <laughs> you and you got like, drug into it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool, bro. You know, are you mean the construction company that I spent my whole twenties building? You <laughs> that's know? all dudes. Yeah. That's all. Du- well, <laughs> you know, Oh, here's another one. That, and that's another great thing. You know, they, they try to attack us for my entire management staff outside my field, yeah, the field uh, management yeah, is yeah. women. Yeah. The lady that runs the company is a woman. Yeah. And I love that woman with all my heart and I take a bullet for her. Yeah. You know, and I love her husband. Uh, her son just started working for us about two years ago. Mm-hmm. He's in our controller position and he does an incredible job. He helps with the real estate and all my personal nonsense. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and, and with the construction. And um, I think that people have a, a misrepresentation of what the war room is. And in fact, if anything, all I've really seen in actuality is men come to us and be like, you know what? My relationship with my wife is so much better. I've taken responsibility of the masculine role in my marriage, in my family, as a father. There's rooms about how to raise your kids right. Yeah. And how to set your kids up to be successful. Man, I see all the time in the war room dads putting their, their kids in jujitsu and boxing and teaching them how to think. And if I had it, if I had it to do again, if I could father the younger version of me, I wouldn't have let myself play football. Right. Because what's the return? It cost me a shoulder. I have a total shoulder replacement. Mm. I've had six surgeries on the shoulder. I still get injections to dissolve the scar tissue just so I can try to get range of motion back. I, reaching up in my closet is hard. It's this one. Yeah. And man, you know, if I had it to do again, I would, I would have had my son doing jujitsu and I did a lot of kickboxing and stuff as a kid. I don't like to talk about it because I feel like fighters should be respected. And I think throwing that around is silly yeah. Yeah. and insecure in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, if I didn't have two girls and when I have boys, they're not going to play football, you know, unless they truly are just in love with it. But I'm going to have them doing the boxing, the jujitsu, I'm going to be, my girls will be reading P and L's at seven. <laughs> We're starting some kind of lemonade stand, something, Yep. you know, and I don't even know that I'll put my kids in public school. Yeah. We're and, homeschooling. Yeah. Because you can learn how to read at home and any math you need to know, you can learn from daddy. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? All right. Here's QuickBooks. Yeah. Look like this it. is how it goes. Debits, credits. Let's go. <laughs> this is a balance sheet. You know? <laughs> Dad, dad's going to try to take depreciation on these trucks and, yep, and here's how it works. Yeah. This is the game. Yep. And, uh, I don't want my, I don't want my children to be polluted by public schools yep. or even private schools. Yep. I, I want my morals and values in them. And the war room really helped me see that in a lot of ways. And there's a bunch of grown men in there talking about how they can better father their children mm-hmm. in the war room mm-hmm. on top of many, many, many other categories. Yeah. You know, and it, for me, it was just a very, very good decision. Yeah. And I'm really glad I made it despite all the hate and the things that happen now. Yeah. It's okay. Dude, the very people that hate me, I'd hug their neck if they walked in the room. Right. They don't know me. They don't mm-hmm. know me. Yeah. And, you know, we were talking about earlier before we got on, it's like in the first two years of me doing this, I walked into a space that didn't really set me up to be graceful. And I'm okay with that. I would do it again, but I'm not going to let my heart not be shown online and that I care about people. Mm-hmm. 
I get messages after messages after messages. And I really make a special emphasis to answer the ones from women. Mm-hmm. Just this morning, I got a message from a woman. My, my husband is struggling. I love him. I believe in him, but he's got some addiction issues. He's got this, this, and this. Yeah. I, I must've sent her three paragraphs and a minute long voice message. Yeah. And then I plan to text her again when she gets out. Cause she clarified something, man. I love these people. Yeah. You know, and it, well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you too, just like even as a guy who knows a lot of these people that people hate and I don't know Andrew, but like, yeah. um, a lot of these people that get a lot of criticism and flack and everything else, like I've seen many of them behind the scenes and I'm like, dude, these guys truly do care about helping people. And even just watching Tate behind the scenes, it's like, yeah, I don't agree with everything he says, but at the same time I can see he is trying to help young men because up to that point, you know, before all this red pill stuff started happening, it was like, nobody was really telling them how to be masculine and, you know, really become better. They, they're, they're kind of being indoctrinated in this whole other thing that is not masculinity. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And, and then also on the other side of that, there's some things that we say that I think are absolutely necessary. You know, like I love Tony Robbins Mm -hmm. and I love Ed Milet, let's say. Yep. But more Tony. Cause Ed's, Ed's a G, He's, <laughs> you know, that's my boy. Yeah. Um, great man, Tony. And this is not disrespect Tony at all, but the jumping up and down, like I was in his platinum group. I still am. Uh, I just don't go anymore because I'm not really good in like church camp kind of scenarios. I'm mm-hmm. not really good with Airy Ferry cause I've kind of seen some of the uglier sides of life. And I, I think it's important that you do the mindset stuff. And a lot of Tony's stuff is super powerful. I, and I think it's really, really good, but I do think it's important to see the brutal realities of the world. And I often say that real love is dark. And what I mean by that is like, if somebody's screwing up, let's say in the war room, you're not, nobody's going to let it slide. No. And a lot of times in life, go back to the friend scenario Let's say, let's say you had a buddy that's screwing up or I had a buddy that's screwing up. Right. A lot of people let that guy leave. And then when he leaves, they'll talk behind his back and be like, man, he's really screwing up mm-hmm. in the war room or per- particularly with like how I feel about it mm-hmm. is I'm going to grab him and jar him. Like you are messing up. Yeah. And I, I'm not putting up with it cause I love you and you can get mad at me. Yep. But I love you enough that I'll stand in the fire of you getting mad at me mm-hmm. so you can fix your issues because it's not acceptable. That's the war room in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think more of that dark kind of ugly truth is necessary if you really love somebody. If you yeah. really care about somebody, you're willing to let them be angry with you. Yeah. And I think that's very, very important. In fact, w- one way to kind of get out of my management team directly is to be a yes person Mm. because I make a very, very hard attempt to not have to be right all the time. Mm -hmm. I tell my people all the time, I don't need to be right. I need for us to win. Yeah. And so any chance I get any idea that I like more than mine, I make a very focused effort to tell them, I like what they said and that their idea is better than mine and we're going to use it or tweak it in a way that serves the company the best. Mm -hmm. And the reason I do that is because if everybody's in the boat and they're supposed to be rowing the same direction, the last thing I need is a person that's sitting back saying, I knew this wasn't going to work. Yeah. 
It's toxic. I've let people go over it. Yeah. I'm not trying to make them wrong. Yeah. I just said, we got to move on. Yeah. Because if I can't trust you to be bold with me when I've so clearly opened myself up to listen to you yeah, and to make you feel heard, then we can't work together mm-hmm. because it's probably an issue with intention. Yeah. We could have avoided it. Had you brought up those concerns, right. we would have made a different choice. And I've created this open place for you to be able to do it. Yeah. Man, woman, doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You know, I saw your core values in there and I think it's really cool. You have them on the wall. Yeah. My first one is intention mm. because if I can match intention with problem solving ability and, and systems that I don't think there's anything we can't accomplish, but intent is a huge deal to me. You know, I tell you, there was a situation a few years ago where we lost $18,000 in a day. It was one job was in Louisiana. The other one was in like Ohio or something like that. And $17,000 of the money we lost was a first time problem. It was something about a piece of mastic on a water roof transition that was very, very special. And um, I was upset that we lost the money, but I kept the guy. The guy was a good man. The guy was doing his best. He had intent. Mm -hmm. The guy that made the $1,000 mistake refused to check a box in a system, and he ignored it. And I let him go. Yeah. It wasn't about the money. It was about the intention for me. Right. And I think that when you're dealing with people— it's very important to be graceful with them, particularly when they have good intent. Mm-hmm. Now, there are people that eventually you'll find that maybe they're not competent enough to do it. Right. In that situation, I think it's cruel to keep them because it's like you're just going to beat them and beat them and beat them. And I think that's kind of a cruel thing. And I don't need the ego boost. And I don't want somebody that doesn't feel like they're doing a good job. And yeah. I feel like my job is to set they're them just, up to be They're graceful. just not that person. They're just the not that person. Yeah. So you can actually love them by letting them go. Yeah. And giving them killer reviews and, and, and even telling them. You would them, be a great ex. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And let me help you get there. Mm-hmm. You know? It, it doesn't mean you're a failure. It just means that this seat on the bus wasn't right for you. Yeah. And, um, and I think that's a very important thing to do as a leader, man. Because even when people leave, I have people that I have let go. In fact, most people that have ever worked in my office that I've let go, I still have a relationship with today. Right. In fact, there's a lady, she used to do our contract review. And we, we just got to a point where our systems were so tight, we just didn't need her anymore. Yeah. And she's reviewing some of my real estate um, partnerships right now because we still stay in touch. We still go to dinner. I'm sending her baby pictures, her and her husband. They're both lawyers. Mm-hmm. And the relationship's amazing. They're still a part of the family. They're just not with us anymore. Mm-hmm. We had an um, email guy uh, from Kenya. His name's Earl. Uh, we got to a point where we thought it made more sense uh, to write the emails internally because it just wasn't my voice. Yeah. And we let him go. And still to this day, I talk to Earl. Mm-hmm. And, and the team talks to Earl. And we're trying to get Earl over to Miami so we can spend some time with him. Yeah. You know, there's... There's no love lost between us. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, I work for the businesses just like the guys do, mm-hmm. you know, and. Well, you got to make the best decision for the business because it yeah. affects everyone else. Well, yeah. yeah it's, it's not just about that one person. And I think people miss that, yeah. especially the softer boss. And that's what I would tell a big hearted person that's running a business is that you have to understand you are loving people by letting them go mm-hmm. because either they're in a position where they're going to constantly feel like a failure or if you don't let this person go, 
then you're affecting the families of the people that are able to do their job. And you right. have your number one priority is to protect everybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually just had to let a guy that's been with me for over 10 years. Yeah, that's tough. He can't. And look, I got outvoted. I didn't want to let him go. Mm. And maybe that was emotional on my part. Mm-hmm. But this particular guy, I've been through so much with him. He got picked up. We were doing a job up in the Northeast. I don't know if you know, but the unions are really big up there. Okay. And unions will go to the hotel and be like, yo, I'll flip you some money if you tell on anybody that comes through that Spanish. Mm. Well, he had given me all the paperwork. I don't play that shit either. I don't do illegals. Yeah. So you have to give me the paperwork. Mm -hmm. Well, he had had it forged and he had it forged well. I didn't know this. And um, he got picked up by ICE. And um, I had to pay 25 grand and become an obligor to the government to get him back in. And I'm still an obligor to him in the government, but he can't work for us anymore because he gets drunk and drives company trucks. Mm. And he did it for the second time. And then he did it a third time. Yeah. And I guess my, I'm so emotionally tied into him, you know, that I told my general superintendent and the woman, the ops manager, to give him another chance. Like, to like no, make, make somebody yeah. else drive the truck, right? Yeah. But he's so alpha. He's like, a, like he's a Mexican. <laughs> and I don't know if, you, if you've dealt with Mexicans very much, but Guatemalans and Panamanians, yeah. they're not as machacho as yeah. Mexicans. And he is a alpha Mexican man. Mm-hmm. You know, he gets in fist fights yeah. in the hotels. And uh, I didn't want to. It was like, oh, yeller, bro. Yeah. And I'm like, guys, why don't we just do this, this, and this? And they That's both. Fine. Let's build the business around him. To, yeah. He, I, and they're I, like, just down that road. Yeah. No. And when they vote, when they both voted no, it, case in point, what we were talking about a minute ago, it was like, okay, well, we got to cut them loose. Yeah. You know? And but, that, that's the know. hard thing, you know, when I, I think there's a good story with that for business owners. And this goes back to friendships and relationships too, where it's like somebody could be with you for 10 years and for nine and a half of those years. Perfect. It was amazing. You know, great. I'm sure there was ups and downs, but still like, great. You don't stay 10 years if you're, you suck. Right. So by the end of it though, it's like, all right, dude, you got a strike. You got another strike. You got another strike. And then we found out you did this and you know, it's like, you got to constantly be proving yourself every day. Like people get this entitlement as they get, you know, tenure, right. Of anything. Right. It's like, Oh, I'm a husband 10 years in, like, I don't need to keep improving. Like we're married. It's like, no, you got to constantly be reproving yourself every single day in the marketplace, in your marriage, your health doesn't stay good because you you got healthy, you got fit once. Yep. You got to constantly grow. A thousand percent. I couldn't yeah. agree with you more. I think the war room is really good for that. A lot of guys come in and they got comfortable. Yeah. Comfort is the yeah. enemy of growth. It is. It is. I've even had patches of that in my life, you know, where, um, in fact, I would say maybe a year ago, I, I struggle with the fact that it's like, it hit me. It's like, I don't have to go to work. Mm-hmm. That's dangerous. Mm-hmm. It is very dangerous. Oh, I'm flying all over the world. I'm making money no matter what I do. Well, it's a, it's like a purpose check because 100%. you're like, well, 
what was motivating me? What will continue to motivate me? Right. Like I had that happen when I got done with baseball. The first time I ever got released from baseball, I was 24 years old. And I had this big identity crisis. I'm like, man, if I'm not going to play baseball, do I need to work out? Like, what's the point of even doing some of these things that I've done my whole life? Right. And, you know, to your point, you have success in business and you start enjoying some of it. And then you're like, man, am I losing my edge? And then you like recommit. You do. And you're like, all right, it's time to go, baby. Right. Right. And and a lot of times that's, I always say that one of the most dangerous things that can happen to you is that you get to the top of a mountain without another one to climb. Exactly. Because all you can do is self-sabotage yourself back down the mountain. So you climb again. That's where all the happiness is. I'm never more happy than when I feel like I'm growing, Mm -hmm. you know? Cause you accomplish things and it's cool for a day. Exactly. You know what <laughs> the I'm minute. Yeah. And you're like, there's the award. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. What's the next <laughs> yeah. thing? Yeah. Is that a thousand percent, man? Yeah. And, and I, I honestly think that's one of the most dangerous things that can happen to you. I, I feel like a lot of people turn to drugs. Oh, are, for sure. Are to drink it too much. Oh bro. And, I'm, I'm in these masterminds with ultra, ultra high net worth people. Eight, nine, 10 figures. Like, most of them have major, major issues of unfulfillment because to your point, I mean, they, they've climbed the mountain. There's no other mountain to climb. And what else is there in life? You know, they're going to keep just doing their thing, but it's like, it's tough, man. When you don't have purpose beyond that, when, yeah. when your goal is your purpose and that's it. Thousand percent, man. So I got a question with, you know, the war room and everything you experienced. I mean, you come in, you meet Tate way before any of this stuff happens with him blowing up. Was it like a conscious plan from him? Like at some point he tells the war room, Hey guys, like I'm about to blow up. Here's my plan. I'm going to just get everyone to post all my stuff. Every like, how did that play out? No, I mean, Tate's very calculated, man. He, he knows what he's doing, but that's all internal team stuff. Yeah. Um, Andrew's cousin, Luke is one of the most impressive men you will ever meet and not really know about. He What's is, he do for the team? He's a workhorse, man. He, okay. he is on Andrew's hip. They're apart right now um, because of everything that's going on. But uh, And that's not to take anything away from Andrew. Yeah. But they work together very closely. Like me and Thomas work together very closely. And he just really put some systems in place that really worked, man. Yeah. You know, there's all these kids out there. They want, they want to figure out how to make money. And one of the most popular ways to make money on the internet is doing affiliate marketing. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I might be one of the biggest affiliate marketers in the world because (laughs) we make seven figures, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And, and, uh, and so it's no different for me than it is, you know, maybe for some of those kids in a way. And, and I don't mind supporting my friend. Yeah. He's done a lot for me. He, I could call him right now and ask him for anything. Shit. When I was in, a, when I was in London last doing podcast, mm-hmm. Andrew sent two goons in, in a Lamborghini SUV to pick me up and bodyguard me because he didn't want me walking down the street with my watch on. Mm. You know? Um, so I know he treats Luke that way. And Luke works 24 hours a day. You want to talk a per- about a person that is not having a drink? <laughs> not doing any, like sleeping four hours, waking up in the middle of the night, uh, helping manage these things. And a- Andrew's really good at being a king. <laughs> Does that make sense? Like Explain. he's, but, but 
it's more like a Leonidas style king. God, he's a leader. He's a leader. Yep. And he'll get in there and bang, obviously. I mean, you see it. I mean, his Twitter is him, right? Mm-hmm. And emails and stuff like that. He's constantly, constantly working. But he's also really good at like picking generals and people that can do things. He's just and he's just good at it. And and I think that when he's inspired so many young people and so many people want to help him, it was inevitable that, you know, if he put a system together the way he did, particularly with the TikTok thing, that it would it would work. And it did work. And now it's I, I find it to be very common to see that people are doing the same model. I've tried it. Yeah, people are copying it everywhere. And yeah. um and it does work and it did work. And I think the difference though for Andrew and luckily for me, probably by association or just by message, I guess, because we kind of have close to the same message is that when people really believe in you and they really get behind you, it really, really works. Mm -hmm. And I think he, I think he's good at that. And I think he's good at that for a very good reason. I think I've been really good at that kind of for the same reason. Um, because I've had guys come to me and tell me, I see exactly what he's doing. I'm going to do it, you know, and then they do it and they're like, why didn't it work? <laughs> they don't believe in you the same way. Yeah. You know, a lot of the kids in Hustlers University are the real world. They make more money than their parents. Yeah. And it's a beautiful thing. And I'm constantly telling them, Hey, don't be an arrogant prick. Don't tell your teacher that you make more money than her. Do nice things for people. Keep working hard to make money. But honestly, I think it's less about the money for them. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's a movement. Yeah. I was having a moment. It's community. Yeah. A thousand percent, but it, it's a community, but there's a lot of communities. Yeah. It's a movement to make men stronger. Yeah. And I think that's why when I get stopped, somebody tells me that, you know, you changed my life and, and they're like, thank you so much. And even I have to step back and be like, why is that? Mm-hmm. Why is he telling me that I made his entire life better? What did I say? What was it? Mm-hmm. You know, why is it? Because everybody has YouTube channels and people are, there's say famous athlete. Like, oh, you play for the Dodgers, man. That's awesome. You know, I know who you are. You're on a TV show. But when they stop me, it feels so much deeper than that. Oh, it's way different. You know? Because you've actually helped them. Right. And, and An athlete, I, you just know of them. Yes, and and I think that's a lot of why what Andrew did with TikTok and social media was so powerful because it wasn't a mercenary thing. It was a movement thing. Mm-hmm. And that's why I say he's really good at being a king. Yeah. Because it's like a leader thing. Yeah. You know, I don't want to compare him to other orators because that would create controversy that's not necessary. <laughs> but there's been people in the world that have been able to move and shape people. And I'm glad to have a small part of that in the way that I have. I couldn't imagine the success that we've had online yeah. a couple of years ago. I was literally well, so I'm like, on what, a job. That's what I'm saying. Like, I mean, you were in it from the early stages and it's yeah, like probably the second year. Yeah. Like yeah. I've seen it evolve a lot. There's that's things, what I'm saying. Bro, I've had things that I didn't like about it. Yeah. You know, just like any group of men, yep. things get clicky you know, there's arguments from time to time. That's all cleaned up now. Yeah. You know, there's a great relationship with the leadership team in the war room. You know, we're turning around there. There's always going to be little, do you guys meet up in person? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You're ever in Vegas. 
I, I want to see what the, what it's all about. All right, cool, man. Yeah, we'll make it happen. Um, sure. So with, with everything happening with him now, how's that affected everything? I mean, I don't even know where the case is at. I know just he was obviously he was locked up for a minute and he's out now. And Yeah, he's off house arrest. Yeah. Um, but everything's going well. He just uh, put his mom on the Oriental Express. So he was going to go on it, mm-hmm. but he gave his mom the tickets. And so I've been texting back and forth with them, trading, you know, photos of kids for Oriental Express photos. Mm-hmm. And so um, he's very good to his family. Uh, when he was in jail, I would go, you know, meet his parents and, and or his mother, take her to lunch and hang out. I just saw his mom when I went over there. It was me, his mom, his old boxing coach. The thing about Andrew that most people don't know is a very loyal person. He's he's flying people over that was in his fight gym twenty years ago, mm. you know. And these guys are normal guys with normal jobs, but he he, he he's not forgetting them. Yeah, you know. And plus, he wants somebody to punch. So, <laughs> um, so you know, they have that going on. But I the tri- there's still a trial coming. Yeah, and obviously, you know, people are, are going to want to attack him. And I'm sure there's things that Andrew has said that he didn't mean, and he wish he wouldn't have. You know, there's probably a time where he was a bit more of a WWF wrestler than, <laughs> than he thought it would like ever become, you know, like it would, it would blow up the way it did. Right. Right. And to be quite honest, if you and I recorded every second of our lives, especially when we were in locker rooms. Oh yeah. We would both get canceled, bro. Yep. Yep. Your handsome ass would have got canceled in a second. Cause <laughs> I know you had girlfriends before you got married mm. and probably a bunch of them. And so, you know, it's, it's like the Trump and the, and anybody else that they want to attack, mm-hmm. it's not with the agenda. Mm-hmm. And I really believe our mission is to, is to really help boys become stronger. Yeah. Allow, make it be okay to be a man. Yeah. Make it okay to be strong. Mm-hmm. You know, all this toxic masculinity nonsense, they haven't seen toxic masculinity really. Yeah. You know, just because we're telling boys to work out and be tough and be strong, that doesn't mean that we hate the gays are certainly don't hate women. Yeah. You know, I think that's the only one that people really get. I don't know if if it's misconstrued or misunderstood or whatever, because it's like everybody can get behind making money. Everyone can get behind working out and being healthy and, you know, getting strong, getting yourself right. I think the only real thing that people have issues with is the women's side of things. Thousand percent. I get the heat, man. Yeah. I get heat for my for my stance on my relationships with women. So what's your stance? Well, most people believe that you get married to one woman. Mm-hmm. And I'm be honest with you, man, like my preference is not that. Mm-hmm. And I guess my problem with them attacking me so me personally so hard over it is that the same people attacking me probably get on Pornhub. Mm-hmm. And I say this on the internet. So it's not like I'm out there lying to women and telling them, oh, I'm going to be this and that and this and that. And so just like a swinger, which I am not, just like a homosexual man, which I am not, but we champion we champion them. Yeah. And we champion women that sleep with a bunch of people and they're liberated. But if I, a straight white male (laughs) say, Hey, listen, I love women and I'm not doing it for validation. 
I don't need the ego boost. Mm -hmm. I know I'm tall, rich, and handsome. Okay, Mm -hmm. cool. I like it. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, you know, all of a sudden, the first thing that gets attacked is your discipline, right? But you have to understand, if me and you are both on a diet, Mm -hmm. and, excuse me, if you're on a diet, and you put a pizza on the table, and I eat the pizza, and I still have a six-pack, yeah, then is it discipline or is it preference? Mm. And to me, the discipline is telling the truth. Mm-hmm. To me, the discipline is being who I say I am. And when I'm getting attacked, and, and listen, I love Christianity. Mm-hmm. The world does not, society doesn't exist without Christianity and Jesus, mm-hmm. straight up. I, now, I don't want to be disrespectful of that. But at the same time, when Christians attack me for womanizing, mm-hmm. which basically means got a bunch of girlfriends and a wife. Okay, cool. But mm-hmm. I'm not a liar. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, there's gay flags on churches, mm-hmm. right? There's gay preachers and there's men saying they would never do such a thing, but then they're going to type it in Pornhub when their wife's at the grocery store. Mm-hmm. Who's really the hypocrite, bro? Mm-hmm. You know, it's not discipline, it's preference, you know, because I can tell you this, I would, I would say like me and you are friends now. Yeah. If your wife showed up, I would rather punch myself in the face and hit on your wife. Mm-hmm. I have plenty of discipline. Mm-hmm. I have strong, strong lines of discipline. But I think what, what people get so upset about, and I understand why they do, mm-hmm. there's a very few percentage of men that can ha- actually openly say what I say. And, you know, there's not really repercussions for it. Right. Um, and I get that. And I don't want to be disrespectful to those people, even though, they tell me I'm going to jail for trafficking or even though they call me a scumbag sometimes, I still love them. Mm-hmm. I got no hate in my heart for those people, man. It doesn't even make sense to me, mm-hmm. you know, because everybody's struggling. Everybody's got their own thing. I'm not perfect. Yeah. Maybe one day I'll see it a different way. Yeah. I currently don't, but I'm open to it. Yeah. We might talk after this show and you might tell me something that completely changes my mind about it. Mm. I'm open to that, you know? I'm not, I'm not stuck in my ways. I'm developing every day. Yeah. You know, I'm sure there's something that nobody knows about you that you're like, man, I really need to get better at this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's just part of being a man and developing. I think just being open to accepting the possibility that you might see it a different way Yeah, is what's really, really important. Mm-hmm. But as far as like a real man would do this, a real man would do that kick rocks. You know? <laughs> well, I'll tell you. So obviously as a Christian, I have lots of different things that I see in the world. And, you know, for me, I always look back to like, what did Jesus say about it? Right. And so, you know, these Pharisees, these, you would call them like the elites, right? These, these judgmental Christians that you're referring to. And basically you're saying these guys are like Pharisees. I mean, they're doing the same things yet. They're criticizing doing it in a different way. Exactly. Right. Well, and Jesus made that point, right? The Pharisees are like, Hey Jesus, you know, what do you think about this? And you know, they're like, we follow all the laws. We're doing everything the right way. And Jesus goes, have you ever thought about another man's wife? Well, then you've committed sin, right? Like you don't have to actually do the act. The fact that you're thinking about it is already sin, which goes to your point. You're watching porn and you're married. Sin. Yeah. You're sleeping around. Sin. It's all part of the same sphere. Homosexuality. Sin. 
Right. And people will get mad about that, but being gluttonous, gluttonous sin, you know, there, yeah. I mean, there's idolatry. Yeah. You know, all these things. And so for me, you know, I don't ever come off judgmental towards anyone. Like and I, that's the best kind of Christians. Bro. <laughs> that's the ones I love. Yeah. Some of the best, some of the strongest Christian men, men I knew, I'm actually really close friends with these guys. Went to high school with them. Very like still talk to them today mm-hmm. about business mostly, but it's coming off of them. Yeah. Love is coming off of them, mm. you know, and I got plenty of that coming off of me, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm a little up in the air of whether I think there's a guy in the sky that's going to send me to heaven or hell. And sometimes I even feel like it's arrogant to have such a strong opinion so much so that you'll condemn someone else that mm-hmm. I find to be arrogant because we are just flying through space on a rock for anything as far as I've seen personally. Now mm-hmm. that's not to take away from faith. Yeah. I'm not saying that God's not real. I'm just saying that it's definitely still something that, you know, uh, I think about. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it goes back to, you know, well, well, two things. So on that thought, it goes back to what you were saying before with like the consciousness. You're like, I lacked consciousness before I joined the war room about things I just wasn't aware of. And I think that when it comes to faith, you know, there's this whole spiritual side of things that just, I mean, just reading the Bible, like they describe a veil being over people's eyes. And until the veil is removed, you just literally cannot see it or comprehend it. And so it's like trying to explain something to somebody who doesn't like it's literally impossible. Like that's what the Bible says. And so I think there's lots of instances in life where it's like, man, you and I know a lot about business and we're like, dude, how do you not? And, but then again, we're like, you just don't know. Like what, what what can we tell you? There's nothing until you do it. We, we, there's just no other way. I I could tell you all day about how great God is and everything, but it won't do anything. Yeah. Right. The other side of it is with just sin in general, right? It's like the church has had a problem of, like you said, demonizing gays, demonizing, you know, um, promiscuity, right? Right. Demonizing just whatever, certain things. Yet when you have this problem of porn, when you have this problem of pride, when you like, they're all still part of sin. And so, you know, at the end of the day, none of us are ever going to be perfect no matter what we do. I am not the perfect husband the perfect dad. I'm going to do my very best to keep getting better, which is the goal. Right. I mean, even for me, like, it's funny. I'll tell you a story since we're talking about, and you're, you know, young men can resonate with this. So, you know, before I got married, I'm like, all right, cool. You know, I grew up in, we're the, we're both millennials. So you're like, we grew up in this age of porn, right? It was like the internet was coming on the scene. Do you remember like looking for porn in your uh, buddy's parents' house, like VHS tapes? And shit <laughs> well, like that? well, I had Where the internet. The mags? Well, no, I, I had progressed to the internet, right? Oh yeah. So As you, a young you had in, yeah. So, but like, you didn't have a computer. It's so, so, well, yeah, you're in, you're in the trailer park, <laughs> yeah. right? I, I grew up middle-class, so I had, okay. I had a computer, you know? Yeah. But you, you know, this, this internet <laughs> thing's coming along and so many millennials got to deal with this. Right. Yeah. And man. So like we grew up bro with porn and it's like a, a worse thing for us than it was for, you know, the boomers and, and yeah. whatever. Right. So then, you know, I'm thinking in my head, cause I got married young and I'm thinking in my head, like, well, once I get married, like I'll be done with it, you know? Yeah. Because it's like, I'm going to be getting it whenever I want. No, that ain't how it works. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, you get married and you're like, dang, why am I still dealing with this? Yeah. You know? 
it, it, the, the, the discipline to what you're saying doesn't change. Right. And so I struggled with it for a long time. And then, you know, one day I prayed and I was like, God, like, I'm just done with this. Like I'm done living this dual life of man, my wife, like she's beautiful. Like, why do I keep doing this? This is just a lack of discipline. And just one day, like the desire switched. And I think it's been about six years since I've ever watched porn again. So it's really interesting you say that because I've had long conversations with Andrew because, you know, Andrew was uh, atheist for a while Mm -hmm. and we're talking about it. And I'm kind of, anytime I have this conversation, I'm very careful to make sure I'm respectful Mm -hmm. because a lot of people's whole identity can be tied to it. Now with Andrew, I can be a little bit more direct. <laughs> you can be direct to me too. Yeah. You're not going to hurt yeah, my yeah, feelings. Yeah. And, but I'm also not trying to disprove it. And I think that's very important. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a curiosity and a, and a, like a genuine curiosity yeah. of how you got there. And for him, he, he talks about, well, at first didn't make a lot of sense, but I just started praying. Mm-hmm. And I've heard Patrick at David talk about how he just started praying. Yep. And that leads me to a question and kind of um, a story. Let me backtrack 30 years. The relationship between my parents was so bad that we had to meet at a police department because it would get physical in the, in the exchange. Mm-hmm. And I would always get a stomach ache and I never understood why, but always stop. And I would think I'd have to go to the bathroom. I'd be sitting there 10 years old mm-hmm. on a toilet seat in some podunk gas station in the middle of like, Sicily Island, Louisiana, somewhere mm-hmm. in the middle of cotton fields. Yeah. And uh, I remember praying and like, I would thank God for making my stomach ache. I know, I believe that you're going to make it go away. I know it's all going to be okay. Everything's going to go fine when we get there. I know my stomach hurts. It's going to go away. And it always did. And that stuck with me, particularly when you talk about praying about something. Mm-hmm. And so it leads me to the question, the objective question of, do you think that you can build a relationship with God that could actually be in your mind? And for that reason, God is real. Mm -hmm. Whether he's real or not, whether Mm -hmm. you go to heaven or hell or not after you die, Mm -hmm. creating that mental construct of this thing that you're talking about, almost like a very strong affirmation mm-hmm. in a way to let go of something mm-hmm. that creates a power in you that you actually set in yourself. Mm. And that's a question. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. So I'll say it's certainly possible. No doubt. I mean, there have been many, um, I guess ideas or substitutes for God like this. A, a good example would be like the secret, that book. Right. And God you know, the, the, yeah. I forget the law of attractions. Like yeah, well, yeah. I can just, if I think about it enough, it will happen. And I mean, like, I don't believe there's like voodoo around the law of attraction, but I believe that, yeah, thinking about the things you want will help you get the things you want. Like it's, and yeah. And that is consciousness. <laughs> and once you get the consciousness and you think about it over and over and yeah. over, many of my goals that I've hit, yeah, I'll hit them late, mm-hmm. but eventually they happen. Yeah. Cause you think about them so much, you take action towards them. Yeah. So I don't think there's voodoo that the secret makes it seem like of like, yeah, the universe is just going to give you these things when you're putting out these, this, uh, these energetic thoughts and they're going to like, I don't believe that, but positive and just thinking about your goals, writing them down. That works. That being said on having a conversation 
with either yourself, which is if you, you know, if that's that scenario, or are you actually talking to God? I Even, actually think the power isn't actually talking to God. Yeah. Well, yeah. well, I'm just saying like, let's just say you were not even talking to God because he doesn't exist. You, you ended up, you created this other persona that you were talking to. Right. I think that there's lots of people who still do that. Right. They don't know what they're doing. They're just like looking for hope. Right. And then I think that I can just tell you by experience, it's the number one question that Christians ask themselves who are even strong believers. They're like, how do I know I'm actually hearing from God versus hearing from myself? Because it's a super tough thing with business people because we go through all these big decisions in life. Should I do this deal? Should I partner with this guy? Should I marry this girl? And we're looking to God for an answer. And they're like, how do you know if you're hearing from God or if I'm just like, it's my mind, your gut. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, what I tell Christians is, okay, number one, here's how you would know you're hearing from God. Okay. First thing is, does it even line up with the Bible? All right. Because if it doesn't line up with the Bible, then it's not from God. You know, if they're like, yeah, should I go, you know, sleep with my neighbor's wife? I'm like, no, that that's not in the Bible. Okay. That's right. a clear note. I'm pretty sure it's in the Bible, but uh, <laughs> that's not the advice they're giving you. Yeah. 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 Um, two, you know, what does godly counsel say about it? What do your, your friends and everyone else who've believed the same things you believe? Right. So I'm not going to, you know, ask Andrew what he thinks about it or so-and-so what he, th- I'm going to ask the guys who believe what I believe about it. Exactly. Right. That's two. Third is, okay, pray about it. Right. That's three. Fourth is at the end of the day, for me, when I've heard God speak to me is because I'm actually spending time in silence with God. Like it's very difficult for God to speak to you if you're just playing video games and doing Netflix and thousand percent. doing all this you know what distractions. I always, I always say that if you're going to meet God, he's up at 4 a.m. Exactly. Because you're, you're so alone in your thoughts that you can hear yourself think. And I'm glad you brought that up Yeah, because I've been doing this morning routine for seven years and you know, I wake up at five, my first hour I spend reading my Bible, praying, journaling, just listening. And so I can tell you in seven years of doing it, almost all of my like ideas and things that most creative time I've ever been is at that time of day. Yep. Like all of it has stemmed during that time of day. It hasn't stemmed when I'm actively doing stuff. First hour. Yep. Yeah. And so I'm like, you got to actually give God time to speak. Like imagine if you were married and you just never gave your wife any time to actually speak. You're like, yeah, I know I'm married, but I just don't see her or do anything. And like, it, it. it makes no sense. Yeah. Right. And also imagine you're married and you don't like know anything about your wife. Like God gave us the Bible to learn about God. So it's like, man, if I want to grow in my relationship, I would want to learn everything about him. I'd want to spend time with him. I'd want to talk to him. So like we have all these things available to us. Right. And you know, at the end of the day, it's like, you just really don't know until you start just getting these little crumbles of faith being just like, grown because like faith is just like a muscle it's just yeah it starts off like slow and down here but as 
you put faith in something and it works. You're like, oh, okay. Like I'm yeah. getting a little confidence in this. Yeah. Okay. I'm getting a little confidence. You know, business is the same way. You're like, dude, I don't know what the heck I'm about to do. And then it works. And you're like, wow, okay. I'm going to go out on faith and try it again, but let's do it even bigger and bigger. And so, you know, faith grows like that. Nobody had massive faith at the flick. There are people who like they, their lives just transformed on a flick. But from my experience talking to most even strong Christians, most have just like started with a little bit of faith. Yeah. And they're like, you know what? I'm just going to step like what you're saying about Patrick. I'm just going to step out and pray and whatever happens, happens. I don't know if this is legit. And they do it for years and years and years. And then finally it's just like one day it clicks and he's like, it's real. Like I have seen enough in my life now to know that there's no way I got here on my own because I ain't that good. Right. Like I can tell you as a guy who never wanted to do social media, super introverted. I never wanted to do real estate. Yeah. I just want to play baseball, dude. That's it. Yeah. And to lose it all and not make it and spend your whole entire life pursuing this dream and for it to just be shut down. That was, I asked you earlier, like when's the last time you had a victim mentality and mine was back when I was 24 and I got released and I was like, God, why, why did I get released? Like, I thought this was your purpose for me. I'm supposed to be playing baseball. It's what I've done my entire life and trained for. This was the path and it's gone. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, I was engaged to get married. And you're like, now I'm going to my fiance. And I'm like, I don't know what we're going to, like, I don't know. Like, I thought this was going to be our path. And right. Sure enough, you know, he leads me down this road of real estate and entrepreneurship, which I had no desire to do. And you know, I'll just give you one story that for me uh, back then, I didn't realize this is what happening, but you know, I was celebrating our one year anniversary with my wife and we're in New Orleans. Ironically, we're, we're seeing the saints play the Packers. And, um, I just remember praying on the one year anniversary. I was like, God, you know, I need to be a better provider for my wife. Like, you know, baseball's not going to be it what's going to be it? Because this ain't it, you know, like I'm not going to live our life like mediocre. I know you built me to be capable for more. And I grew up in the church, by the way. So I'm like, what do you think that's important? Yeah. And I said, what do you want me to do? And sure enough, I just like heard this whisper, real estate. Now to give you some context, I'd got my real estate license five years earlier in 2010. And I'd already failed as a realtor. I quit years ago. And I'm like, real estate, there's no way like real estate's the thing. I sucked at that. I didn't like it, whatever. And within an hour, I'm watching TV and I see this TV commercial. It's like real estate investing, no money down. You could start flipping houses today. And I'm like, scam, you know, like Like Armando Monologo. Yeah. I'm like, this ain't real. Well, I just felt once again, what I would now say my spirit pushing me to go look further. And so I search, can you flip houses with no money? Guess what I found? Bigger pockets. Yeah. And also I don't think it's a coincidence now that we're talking about this and you sharing that earlier, but I go search bigger pockets and they're like, yeah, you can flip. You don't need to buy that stuff. Yeah. And I was like, is bigger pockets a scam? Like, what is this? I yeah. don't even know. Well, sure enough, I end up reading one of their books, how to flip money with no low money down. Brandon Turner, Great buddy of mine now. Brandon Turner's cool, bro. Yeah. I really like Brandon Turner. Yep. I love his energy, man. He spoke at my last event. He's, he's amazing. I'll connect you guys. I'll I'll tell him to get you. He's got a new podcast. All right, cool. And, um, so 
I read this book and I go, babe, I'm going to flip houses. And she's like, okay, we had no money. All right. right yeah, I'm like, but we don't need it. We're, I, I got it figured out. And so we fly back home and the, this is the crazy part where, you know, God comes into play again. We fly back home. We have separated seats because we're broke and poor and like we didn't pay extra to, right. you know, sit together. I thought they would put us together. They didn't. So I'm sitting next to this old man and I'm reading the book and the old man's like, Hey, what are you reading? And I say, Oh, I'm reading about, you know, flipping houses and stuff. And he's like, interesting. He's like, you know, I don't really talk to people like a ton and everything like on planes and stuff, but I just want you to know, I feel God calling me to tell you that you're going to be extremely successful in this and you're going to change a lot of lives because you're doing this. And I was like, that's exactly what I needed to hear as like that confirmation of the decision. And, you know, he then goes on to tell me throughout the plane ride of like, I've done subject to seller fine. And I'm like, I don't even know what you're talking about, dude. Like this yeah. is way over my head. Yeah, yeah. So I go back home, you know, like fully now full of faith that this is going to crush. And my mom's telling me, dude, don't do it. It's risky. Just get a government job, do something safe. Yeah. And I'm like, nah, I'm doing it. So I max out all my credit cards for 50 grand buy my first flip, you know, made 25 grand. It worked out just, you know, obviously repeated, repeated, repeated. Yeah. And, you know, it's just like a crazy story of just like hearing from God, then getting confirmation and then going out on faith and executing. Because what a lot of people do is they might hear something from God and then they question it. They're like, did I really hear that from God? And then they never yeah. take the next step because yeah. they lack faith. And then there are people who hear and they're like, okay, like I'm pretty excited about it, but like, give me one more sign. Yeah. And for me, that's happened multiple times. Like even so I won't tell the social media story, but it was in a similar way where I just heard him speaking to me to get on YouTube in 2020 during COVID. Cause I had 50 house flips going and I was like, yeah. am I about to like lose it all? Like they're saying that real estate market's going to crash. People are losing right. jobs. Like, I don't know. I'm not losing yeah, it all. Bro, been there. <laughs> yep. yep. And I just heard him say social media, YouTube, I'm like YouTube. I got bigger fish to fry than making YouTube videos. And then Sure enough, I got confirmation uh -huh. and I was like, well, I'm going to step out on faith and make YouTube videos. I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. I don't have anybody else that's doing it. Like, I'm just going to do it because I feel the call to do it. So, you know, I think with faith now, obviously my faith has been strengthened through, you know, I guess results of, hey, I stepped out on faith. It worked. I stepped out on faith. It worked. Yeah. So you start to hear more clearly, but you know, somebody new in the faith journey, it ain't going to be like that. You just don't know. Right. You don't have experience. Yeah. Like, so. Yeah. I actually have plenty of experience okay. with, with church and with prayer and, you know, all of it. Yeah. My experiences weren't probably as positive yeah. as yours. Like between my parents, let's say, you know, they went to church. My mom, like slept with a bunch of people from church and mm -hmm. stuff like that. My dad was very God-fearing. And what I think helps my father believe so much is that he never questioned it because he was brought up in church mm -hmm. and he saw the relationship between his mother and his father really work out. And that was very much based in the church. Yeah. And I think that is a beautiful thing. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that what you have and how you light up when you talk about it is absolutely beautiful. I really do. And I'm, I'm glad to see that you have it because mm-hmm. I can just tell by talking to you, like it lights you up in a good way. And that's such a gift regardless of where it's coming from. Right. You know, um, sometimes I feel that people don't question why they believe. Mm-hmm. And I found myself in those situations where I'm having a conversation like this and it always ends up, well, you just got to believe at the end of the conversation. Yeah, yeah. You'll ask about this and you'll ask about that. Yeah. And I didn't come here to debunk it. No, I know. And in yeah. fact, if anything, I think that Christianity, although it does create some judgment mm-hmm. has created more families, more love, um, and definitely created the reason why men were able to work together to build society. Right. Because of that belief in this common, yeah. you know, being that, you know, you want to have a relationship with. And I, th- I think that's an incredible thing. Yeah. And anybody that is watching my channel for sure, if you want to have that f- faith and build that relationship with God, I completely support it. Yeah. Of course I have questions. Yeah. You know, everyone does. Everybody's got questions. Well, man. and one thing I'll, I'll say to you too, is that it's way harder for somebody who grew up in the church and had a bad experience way it's rough yeah. yeah i mean i see it happen to more i know a lot of mormon people yeah and man you know they they have their they have their opinions have you ever watched johnny harris on youtube Mm-mm. bro he's really good he's kind of liberal okay but he's very talented okay and he did a mission okay and he makes world-class videos this guy's really good you'd really like him because he talks a lot about geopolitics okay and so it's like very very interesting and uh he's done some stuff on you know being mormon and um, it's really interesting to see his relationship with it because he had fully bought into it. Mm-hmm. Went to learn Spanish, went did his mission, did all these different things, man. And um, he's no longer in the church. Mm-hmm. And I would assume that he's probably agnostic at a at a minimum. Yeah. But he seems to be very at peace about it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one thing I would say is I don't know how God, if he exists, Mm-hmm. is going to make his final judgment. If it's going to be exactly by the Bible or if one religion is going to be right and others are wrong, or mm-hmm. if the kids that never hear about them in Brazil, somewhere in the jungle, if they're going to hell. But I do often say that if God can't see my heart, I don't want to go to his heaven. Mm. And if they say God is love, then my only hope is that I can love enough people for him to see that. Mm-hmm. And I feel strongly that if he does see my heart and what I feel that I'll do just fine. Um, if I don't, well, that'll be my cross to bear, mm. you know? And again, I'm always open to hear yeah. things from new people. I don't know everything about everything. <laughs> I don't claim to. Yeah. Sometimes when I'm on these podcasts and people are talking about the history of a country that I probably couldn't point out on a map, you know, I'm like, where do you nerds get the time to study all this stuff so you can have a debate? Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And you know what? It's a funny thing too. Uh, I'm glad this just hit me, but you know, I was on impact theory yep. a couple weeks ago and um, I brought Jordan Peterson up and I think it was because I was watching a YouTube video about him talking trash about my boy. <laughs> and, uh, and you know, I, I don't, don't completely regret what I said, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I kind of wish I would not have said it in a way because I respect him so much. And he turned to Christianity 
Who, Jordan Peterson? I or think Tom? Jordan, I think Jordan did. No, Tom is hard atheist. Oh, is he? Okay. I don't even yeah. know. All right. He doesn't believe we have souls. Okay. Yeah. yeah. He's hardcore. Um, but I think Jordan Peterson's a great man. Mm-hmm. You know? And while I'm thinking about it, you know, I just want to say that I I think he's an incredible human being. I think he's done a lot for humanity. And if Christianity is helping him and has helped him, yeah then he certainly deserves any help he's gotten from it because he's helped so many people. Mm-hmm. And I just, I think he's a wonderful man. Yeah. And, uh, and I put that out of context. So I'm glad I'm on another big podcast and I get to say it. Cause I don't even want to be a hypocritical right. Christian. Yeah. Who am I to judge him? Right. You know, and I got no hate in my heart for him. Mm-hmm. It just so happened that he pissed me off that morning. <laughs> Talking smack. <laughs> don't yeah. talk about my boys. <laughs> yeah. Because if I don't have if I don't have loyalty, like loyalty yeah. is like super important to me. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'll give you an example. Let's say me and you were doing a business deal. Yep. And we're talking to somebody and it gets heated. And I actually agree with the other person. Because I'm on your team, I'm gonna wait till he leaves before I'm like, bro, what was that about? Right. And I'm gonna ruthlessly take up for you in front of him. Mm-hmm. Even if you're wrong, I do that. I would do that for a partner. Yeah. You know? Um, and before anybody gets fresh and thinks I'm doing that for Tate, no, Tate's fuck. Tate's innocent. <laughs> but if I thought you were wrong yeah, and we're friends, my loyalty is to you, regardless of whether you're right yeah, or wrong. It's going to happen and, in and private. You and, I, you and I can handle each other later. Yep. You know? And I think that's how like, it should be. Yeah. And, and I think that, it should be that for friendship and for yeah. business and mm-hmm. for relationships and loving people mm-hmm. that are supposed to be on your team. Yeah. And maybe that's my God right now. You know, loyalty. Uh, Patrick, Patrick, Bet David says something incredible uh, on a podcast, the same podcast I was watching. Okay. He said that no matter whether you believe in God in heaven, you have a God. Oh, a thousand percent. It's idolatry. It's money. Yep. Or it's women. Or it's drugs, or it's status, yeah, or it's whatever. Followers, views, followers, views, mm-hmm. needing people to love you, whatever that is, and um, and I think he's right about that. I oh, think he is. That, I think yeah. that everybody has a god to some degree. Mm-hmm. Some people, it could be porn and video games. Yeah, you know, it's whatever. I guess it's whatever that thing that you might circle your day around. But well, you know, um, it. The way I like to think about things is like reverse engineering, right? So if we have a goal, we're going to look at the goal and be like, all right, how do we reverse engineer to that goal? And so like we do this in business, we do it with working out, we do it with lots of things. And I mean, when you look at the grand scheme of life, you start to think about it and you're like, well, okay, what's the grand scheme of life? And so people always have this purpose question. What am I here for on earth? Some, right. everyone contemplates it. The hardest question point. on earth. <laughs> yeah. People, everyone contemplates like, yeah. what keeps me going? What am I here? Right. You know, I can have these mini goals that like will distract me essentially, right. but you still have to come to terms with the bigger purpose of it. And you know, when you really reverse engineer it, you're like, well, what's the one guarantee in life? We're going to die. That's the one guarantee. And so you start to think from that viewpoint, you're like, all right, well, if I know I'm going to die, the next logical question is what happens next? And the other thing you start to think about is I'm dead a lot longer than I'm alive in the span of eternity, in the span of the universe. And I know that there's people who believe different things when we die. And just like logically speaking, as you know, as Tate would say, like a smart guy, the number one question everyone should be trying to solve is what is that? 
Because if I know I'm not going to take my money, if I know I'm not going to take the women that I sleep with or the status that I have into death, what, what happens? And so, you know, I'm not here to say like, you know, I mean, you guys know what I believe happens, but like, it's still the question everyone should answer regardless of anything. I think it'd be fair to say that any Christian that is reasonable at all could consider the fact that maybe it's not true. Mm -hmm. You know, like any reasonable person like say would say, okay, maybe it's not, but because it is so real to me, it'll make my life so much more full. Oh, 1000% for that reason. Yeah. And there, there's lots of people who have that argument of like, even if it's wrong, even if it's wrong, yeah, this is still right, right to live. Yeah, because because it's a it's a wonderful framework. Yeah, for so many people, mm-hmm. and I think it's a moral compass for a lot of people. Yep, I think it keeps many people from doing <laughs> bad neg- things. negative things. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but it's still regardless of if it's an insurance policy, as some yeah, people would call it. Yeah. Um, there's still the question to answer. And so it's like, everyone has to come to terms with that question as much as we want to ignore because nobody wants to think about death. Like (laughs) nobody's like wanting, well, I guess there are people, but majority of humans don't want to think about death. It's kind of grim. Yeah. You're, you're focused on today. Right. And, but then like, just logically you're like, man, dude, yeah, we're all going to die. Yeah. There's no guarantee of anything else. And like, I'm dead way longer than I'm alive. And you know, you, you do get these grim viewpoints from a lot of atheists, right? And, you know. A lot of them are solid. Yeah. A lot of atheists has read the Bible more than people that believe. Mm-hmm. And so they make these really strong, solid points. Um, but even if it's only the collective consciousness of all humans about doing the right thing, mm-hmm. most all religions have the basis so you can feel good in your own heart about how you're treating people or the actions that you're taking. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a very light heart in that regard somehow without being very religious. Following one thing or the other. Yeah. One, one thing or the other. Mm -hmm. However, I think for a lot of people that framework and that structure, especially for the 99% of people that aren't like one percenter type people, Mm -hmm. I think that it's one of the most positive things that has ever happened to humanity, regardless mm-hmm. of whether it's real or not. Right. And that's why I try to very, very, very respectfully talk mm-hmm. about it when I do. Yeah. Because I don't want to misconstrue the fact that it's one of the most important structures that I think humanity's ever had. Mm-hmm. You know, and for that reason, I respect it. And I'm curious. <laughs> you know, I know. I love it. Yeah. I, uh, I also, the last piece I'll bring, I'm going to get so many messages from like Christian ladies after this. Well, you know, like I'll, I'll tell you like, cause you know, I think, uh, like you said, the judgmental Christians are the ones that I, I don't call them judgmental Christians. I call them critical Christians because there's a lot of critical Christians in the church who, you, you know, the pastor says one thing they don't agree with. And yeah. like, I'm out. I don't, yeah. this, this guy's a, a false preacher. Right. And you're just like, dude, hold on. <laughs> Let's yeah. chill out here for a second. And you know, they'll say, Oh, well, Ryan's talking about money. He yeah. uh, money's his, his, his God. Right. Yeah. And so I, I call these people critical Christians and whatever they, they get their fulfillment out of that. And I don't, a lot of them may not even be Christians. Right. I have a question for you. Okay. When it comes to money. All right. I'll never forget this. I'm in new Orleans, new Orleans airport, building an airplane hangar. The preacher 
that is building the airplane hangar for his jet mm -hmm. comes out and mentions that he paid cash for it. Mm -hmm. How do you feel about, there's a church in, in my hometown called um, Healing Place. Okay. And uh, it's like six flags over Jesus, bro. They got baseball fields, bro. They got a whole band, bro. It's bad boy. You know, they're killing the game. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And um, I was just, I'm just always interested about these super churches with these preachers that have brands. So let and me. The power and the status. I just, yeah. Interested. My opinion on this has changed over time. So early on in my life, I would say I was a critical Christian. So whenever I saw these things or Joel Osteen or any yeah. of these guys. And no judgment from me. Yeah. You know, do just, it big, I'm, bro. Yeah. I, yeah. I, well, I'm telling you, I was judging. And I'm like, okay. all right, Joel, Joel Osteen, false preacher. This guy, false preacher. Whatever, right? Any of these guys that you're probably talking about, right? Like, why does he have a jet? Why does he have this? Why did, you know, right? Now, as I've gotten older, I'm now at the point where I'm like, I don't know. Like, I just don't know where all of their hearts are at. I'm sure some of them it's, aren't good. Yeah, well, I also, like, as they become more and more successful, the temptation of that situation yeah, it gets more greater and greater. Yeah, and you've seen that with a lot of these big churches with, you know, infidelity and these guys. Oh, yeah. You know. I think that particular church, he the preacher had to come out and say that he'd been sleeping with somebody in front of the congregation. Yeah. Um, but well, I'm not here to judge him. Yeah. Trust me, cowboy. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I know if he I'm... wouldn't have got her, I would have. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, like I, for one, with those, with those guys, many yeah. of them have never experienced fame or success or money yeah, or hard. anything. So yeah, dude, I mean, look at what happens to athletes. Look at what happens to influence. Like dude, it happens to everybody, happens yeah, to everybody. Human. Right. So yeah, I don't judge any of those guys and I don't know where their heart's really at because I've met some people behind the scenes that I used to judge. I'm like, this guy, like he's a good dude, man. Like, yeah. and I can tell to your point where his heart's really at. Has he made mistakes? Yeah. Have we all made mistakes? Yes. Yeah. Where's today. he at today? Yeah. Where's he at today with where he's at? Cause you know, like even just doing shows with people, you know, there'd be people like, dude, why are you not um, denouncing Tate? Why are you having this guy on? Yeah. And I'm like, bro, I don't know this guy. You know, like yeah. I'm, I want to know this guy. A thousand percent. I want I to it. know where his heart's at and what he believes. And, and even if it's not what I believe, that's okay. You know, you like here's some crazy. The last time I went to church, Tate brought me. Hmm. Tate, uh, he, he donates a lot to the Romanian Christian church. I think still. Yeah. He's like, yo, let's hop in the car. And we <laughs> drove through like all these back roads. We come to this like long gravel road and there's all these like very poor people. Like, and, and it was like one of those churches where the people live there. Yeah. You know, and you do the candles and stuff and, or whatever. But, um, yeah. Well, and that was the last time in Romania. How long ago was that? Last year. Okay. The year before been a year and a half maybe 18 months right. something like that well if you're here sunday maybe it'll be your next time. <laughs> <laughs> i'm a sales guy yeah so they're gonna throw me in some water around here dude, man. hey it's baptism sunday baby hey, we got it. you <laughs> we're gonna have to maybe double dip you i've been but. by i've been baptized a couple times man they still they still can't get the trailer <laughs> off of me <laughs> triple dip yeah man but <laughs> hose them down <laughs> one thing i do one thing i have realized though that you know the more you read the bible and see these situations you're like all right Regardless of what you think about a guy like Joel Osteen, since he would be like the most famous, I would say. Who's the famous one before that? 
Jimmy Swaggard. Jimmy Swaggard's like location is in Baton Rouge. Okay. Hope. He owns both sides of the street, bro. <laughs> Big boss. Big boss. <laughs> so with Joel Osteen, like have people been saved at his church from the Christian perspective? Yes. Okay. Does he have like all these other things? Okay, whatever. Is he making money as an entrepreneur selling books from his own brand outside of the church? Yeah, dude's making, I bet you he's made nine figures as an author that has nothing to do with this congregation. So what do you make sense of that, right? Dude's earning money as an entrepreneur. If I became a pastor today and I led my own church, I can have a private jet. I got this other stuff going on. Yeah, I ain't, you know, I'm not taking money for, I could take no salary or anything and still ball out, right? Yeah. So I think about those things because a lot of these mega church guys are famous in the secular world too. And they're making money on their own account. They're not just taking millions in salary from the church. Now, there are guys who are like that, but I would guess most of these personal brand guys have outside stuff where they make their real money. So that's one thing that their investors will come from the church and other. And yeah, it's so much easier to trust a guy that goes to church. There's so many things. And I'll tell you too, there's a lot of these rich guys in the church who will like give directly to them. They're like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm tithing to the church itself, but like, I want to take care of you pastor yeah. and give direct to them. Right. Yeah. So like those things happen. Um, but the other part of it is just at the end of the day, like assume that heaven is real and like people get saved. What's the price of a salvation worth at the end of the day? Right. And so I don't think you can put a price tag on that, man. You can't. Right. You can't. So it's like, this, this magnificent building, this thing, like you could think, oh man, that was like over the top. Why is the church service so crazy? They got a, it's like a Drake concert in there. Like, what are they doing? Yeah. I took one of my employees to church and she was like, I I grew up in uh, a Catholic church. This was crazy. I thought I was at a Drake concert. That's what she said. And I was like, yeah, that's how Christian churches these days. And she was like, wow, I did not know it was like that. And there's a lot of people who'd be like, well, that's over the top. And it's like, well, what's a soul worth? Right. And you know, these are just, there's so many questions we just can't answer a thousand percent. And I don't, I don't think, I don't think there is a right answer outside of loving people. Mm -hmm. And the reason is, is that there's many religions that would say that if you don't follow their exact religion, Mm -hmm. their exact religion, Mm -hmm. that you're wrong and you're going to hell Mm -hmm. with hundreds of religions in the world. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's pretty grim. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so regardless of whether I was a Baptist tomorrow yeah, or a Pentecostal next week, mm-hmm. I think that loving people is going to be the answer. Yeah. Because again, I think it's hyper arrogant to believe that everybody that doesn't believe what you believe that you have not seen physically seen. And I mean, no disrespect to faith, mm-hmm. but you have not physically seen it is quite arrogant. And the only thing you can do is understand that maybe there could be a chance that you're wrong. And I think that if it's real to you, that you're right, but loving people is going to trump all that. Yeah. Well, you know, what's funny about having compassion for people, man. Right. Like the definition of faith is like confidence in what's not seen. Right. thousand percent. Yeah, I get it. But you know, you're talking about physically seeing, People physically saw Jesus 2,000 years ago and still didn't believe. So like, 
it's just an interesting dynamic where it's like, I mean, people can come to one of your masterminds. They physically see you yeah. and you're like, bro, this is what I'm doing. Like, literally this is my construction company. Like this yeah. is dude, we're making yeah. 20 million bucks. Like, I don't believe it. <laughs> you're just yeah. like, dude, it's right here. Like, what do you yeah, want? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so like, it, that's just people, man. I it's mean, so, it's, it's, so it's unfortunate that people are skeptical and it's just, you know, some would say it's biology and it's how we've evolved to this point. And I'm sure there's some truth to that. Like our nature allows us to be like very, <laughs> I forget what they call it, but just yeah. you're going to be skeptical to protect yourself. Yeah. Survival. Yeah. Yeah. But well, bro, dude, I've had a great conversation, man. Me too, man. I'm so glad. We did this, <laughs> man. It, it definitely didn't go the direction I thought it would, but I'm really, really glad we did, man. I think it went the direction that you were, hoping it would though at the uh, beginning of this. Cause you know, as we were talking before, you're like, dude, I just want people to know like really where my heart's at with things. Cause I think from what we said, a lot of people cast instant judgment on what you think. And of because course. of your associations and all the stuff. And I'm like, bro, I mean like this dude is a good dude. Like yeah. I can just see it. Yeah. Well, it means a lot to me, man. I'm, I'm really appreciative that you have me and you took that chance on me and uh, <laughs> <laughs> I hope we stay in touch for sure, man. Oh yeah, we definitely will. Well guys. Um, oh, actually where can they, where can they find the, uh, the, the war room? How do they get there? Yeah. You can get in touch with me on Instagram. Okay. Justin Win Waller seven. Okay. And then Twitter is Waller seven J. We have a daily telegram. Okay. That J Waller daily and Justin for the emails. Yeah. So, yeah. I, wa- I want to come to one of these war room meetups, dude. Cool, man. We'll do it. Yeah, we'll do it. Cool. All right, guys. Make sure you subscribe to the the podcast and we'll catch you on the next one. Peace. It's okay to start as a jack of all trades, but at some point you need to have a specialty. You need to have a skill set. Most of the people I worked with were very high end financial advisors, insurance advisors. How I met Patrick Bet David, I'll tell that story. He's like, I want you to be the first to officially sign with Valuetainment. We have multiple.